really love the theme music. Welcome back to the Bingers Assemble, which is brought to you by our friend John Naughty over the Naughty Law Group. When there's any type of issue that is going on, whether that's some type of car issue, whether it is a rental issue, you have a you might have a business partner that's out there acting shady and all. John Naughty's perfectly equipped to take take to, to handle this. With the history of getting the clients exactly what they're looking for, whether that is going to the courtroom or just looking to settle, he's going to find out what Burt West what works best for you. He's going to make it happen. You guys check them out over at the NaughtyLawGroup.com. That's our friend John Naughty, NaughtyLawGroup.com. Guys, welcome back to the Bingers Assemble. We got our good friends, Scotty Bounce. Oh, Mike, okay, Mikey P, what's going down? And Scotty, a little bit ahead of schedule, but we appreciate that. Scotty B is in the building as well. Yep, yep, Listen, yep, man, yep, I'm, yep. I'm eager. I'm eager to start potting, so I was like, I'm just gonna jump the gun. Uh, well, we we certainly appreciate that. A lot of gumption. It's the kind of things that will make you push a girl in front of a train um, after you guys have had a relationship. So, you of course, today's episode we're getting very political. All right, just you know, it's all about politics. And of course, we're talking about the show that changed Netflix last week. Obviously, we did Tiger King, great episode, trending very well. But we're going back in time. To when Netflix was like fledgling, it's right, it's just past getting those little DVDs. Maybe you're watching Hemlock Grove. Then the show House of Cards came, to, of course, 2013. The show that made Kevin Spacey. Is this? Did this make him a household name? I don't know. But nah, uh, he was already a household name. Yeah, bro. he was a household name. Okay, this cemented him as a name. Then all right, he's a household Absolutely. name. This, this anchored, anchored him down. Then um, something else later on made him. A <laughs> <laughs> So the show, during its original run, uh, <laughs> 73 episodes ran from 2013 to 2018. The show was created by our good friend, the amazing director, executive producer, this being David Fincher. And it was a remake Love of... Love David a B- Fincher. Fantastic. Oh, me too. Yeah, this is way different than some of his other properties, though. There were, like, no weird yeah. twists or anything. Well, I think this was... Uh, I think he pivoted... First, well, did this happen before Social Network or now? He kind of pivoted in his after uh, this after career, kind of from yeah, that's what I thought. So I think I think yeah, Social this Network, is what started is the kind TV. Of, right. Well, no, 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 no. I'm saying the movie, The Social Network, which he directed. Well, I know, I know, no. I I'm think, saying that I'm saying yeah, this was after Social Network, and this started his love affair with uh, focusing on television. I think. No, I, yeah, I, I might almost like thematically. I think he, I think he sort of pivoted. Um, I mean, there are obviously there's like darkness in Social Network. Uh, there's darkness in this. It's it's more of the same veil, though. I think um, mm-hmm. where or I think early career stuff. But I mean, Seven, I think is you know yeah. completely iconic for me. One of the greatest of, of all time. And I think yeah. maybe his greatest thing. But like, does that make sense? I think he sort of pivoted into this sort of more of a social reality commentary about. Ah, okay, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, well, yeah. Well, I think I was trying to. I was like bringing up how like, and maybe this is a thin example. Just like he essentially had three movies in a row: Seven, The Game, or Fight Club, where they had some type of a twist at the very end. And that like this didn't this didn't have that, but that's like me omitting so much from his uh, from his catalog, like Zodiac, uh, Curious Case of Benjamin Button, and then of course uh, Social Network um, and Panic Room. So uh, good, so, solid, solid point by you. So, now I want you guys to think about sort of this comes out. I want to say the very first episode launched what February two thousand and thirteen. Uh, do you guys remember sort of uh, 
sort of where you where you guys were at or when you guys first heard about this? Yeah, I think somebody at work had told me about it, and they recommended it to me. And then um, as I started watching it, it kind of reminded me of you, to be honest, uh, Chris. Uh, the, the show, the show, you or me? No, no, no. It reminded me of you, like you personally, like you specifically. Okay, gotcha. This should be good. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the reason I say that is because, obviously, like with the first episode, we see how um, basically like the storyline unfolds. Like he gets uh, President Garrett elected, and then he kind of screws him over by not giving him the position that he had promised him. And then he just goes on this, uh, basically like this plot to take everyone down and uh, catapult himself up. And it didn't remind me of you because of that. Obviously, you wouldn't be capable of doing such things. (laughs) (laughs) So wait, does that mean that that I can't rise to anything? Or that I wouldn't be uh, as... (laughs) I'm saying I don't think you would be uh, that vengeful. Okay, gotcha. To catapult yourself up there. But the reason it reminded me of... Wait, are you comparing him to Frank Underwood or to Fred? At that time, you were deeply rooted in politics, and so that's why I was associating you with the show, specifically. Mm. Yeah, I think I got that association quite a bit. Uh, For some of the listeners who don't particularly like me, uh, or and have not tried to learn anything about me, I did run for office uh, a few years after the show started, but even... Why are listeners not like you? Are we going for a Howard Stern thing, where, like, they hate us, so they listen to us more? Or like, I hope so. I, I would like I would take that in a heartbeat. Um, yeah, but, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, no, uh, but for, for those unaware, yeah, I did run for office, which was the culmination of well over... 10 years of work or so. Um, and so I had gotten this comp, this, I think that this show more so, and to my point or so, I had gotten comparisons just for being knowledgeable around politics and uh, having an encyclopedic knowledge of different house members. Like I would essentially be able to recite the three predecessors to anybody that was in Congress and talk about their oral history of everything that they would bring to the floor and all. And so I yeah, think that this which, show uh, made me not alone is, in that, not in the sense that every. All right, guys, and that's it for our category on toot your own horn. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what, so, so what I was uh, what, <laughs> no, no, no. Well, I, I think this is an important thing, though, uh, because politics in real life, hopefully, matters. Uh, you just have uh, uh, an encyclopedic knowledge about something that matters as opposed to, like, uh, House Martell uh, or, or uh, you know, really rooting for particular houses and knowing every single goddamn thing about Game of Thrones. Yeah, Which may, maybe... <laughs> Why are you comparing this? What I'm Game saying is, like, there's a million people who know every... More than that, there's 500 million people who know every single fucking detail about Game of Thrones, but they don't pay attention to real life, and I wish that more people 
actually paid mm-hmm. attention politics. Well, I life. say the same thing about the Kardashians. I feel like they're well, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't think they he's taking no a shot idea. at House of Cards. I think he's just using that as the most tertiary example, I guess. Exactly. But, well, no, no, no. I was using the toot your own horn. I was commenting okay. on the toot your own horn okay. segment. <laughs> well, yes, I, think, I think understanding about politics, if everybody did it a little bit more, um, we wouldn't be you know, the media networks who are looking for fucking cheap shots and thrills. For ratings, uh, whatever, soapbox over. Mm-hmm. All right, well, yeah. Like, but, like, I guess the, the biggest thing I was just trying to draw, I think that this show made people, got people interested in politics as it was easily digestible. And if you, like, think about it, through 73 episodes, you the most pressing legislation I can remember is, I think, what, is season two or something where they're talking about Amworks, which was, like, the most annoying stretch of the show. And, like, even though that was, like, we'll America get to works. This. Yeah, yeah. And then outside of that, there's not a lot of talk around legislation. Like, it's closest comparison. I know that this is a remake of the – this is an Americanized remake of the British show uh, House of Cards, which was better, by the way. But the – its closest competition is something like the West Wing, and let's just say you can't be dumb and watch the West Wing. Which is better, by the way. Oh, it is. Yeah, a (laughs) hundred times. Yeah, like, no (laughs) – yeah, even the worst seasons of the West Wing were better than the show. Everyone's like, okay, yeah, we'll have the, to listen. The West Wing is more realistic. It's, yeah, um, no, well, I'd say this, right? In the comparison, the West and Wing idealistic. is, yeah, the West Wing is how we hope Washington is. House of Cards is probably as perverse as it's becoming. Yeah, that's a good comparison. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, like, how, like, the most significant thing in politics were, like, upfront political scandals, and then perhaps, like, the, what's it, the black, is it, uh, Blackwater? What's the Clinton one thing called? Black something? Yeah, Blackwater. Okay, Blackwater. And the, even that's, like, uh, it, that, and I'm pretty sure that one doesn't have as many, has have the body count that this show had. Um, but, you know, we were used to, like, okay, this guy made a political foible, right? And this thing, you got people fucking getting offed and all types of, like, random shit and, like, the president being the one that d- that does it and, like, his VP or his VP, or not VP, his uh, sort of wife doing things like this, too, you know? And you just look at it, you're like, wow, I hope that it's not like that. And I think that that sort of subtly, the outrageousness of it grabbed people's attention to say, hey, could this be possible? And let me find someone to latch on to. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I think, um, it's a pretty well-known thing. I don't think it's a secret. I mean, the Underwoods are essentially the Clintons, right? Oh, certainly. Yeah, they're from the South. They're uh, a husband and wife with, uh, an interesting marriage, we'll say. They're actually Republicans that are Democrats. (laughs) You know, I think that the under... I think that the Underwoods are, Underwoods are way more Democrat than the Clintons actually are. Oh. In some <laughs> ways. I think you're right. Yeah. I mean, the safety net stuff, remember, uh, we can get more into it, but the the first campaign that he was up against, against, uh, I don't know what's her name, in season two or three or whatever. Um, oh, uh, Will Conway? Right. No, 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 no. Yeah. Will Conway was later. Remember the the first lady he was in within within the Democratic Oh, party. not uh, oh, not Jack Dun Dun Durant. Yeah, no, no, uh, Durant. Dun Durant or Dunlap. Okay, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, Durant. I mean, it, I think that kind of illustrated like the whole Clinton, you know, moderate Democrat, uh, which is indistinguishable from Mitt Romney. 
in my opinion, is literally the same thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's the, uh, that's kind of the commentary is, is, uh, the sort of, again, yeah, so that's kind of Democrat. You're right, though. I mean, I think, I think getting into more, more how they are actually for Democrats in some sense is probably important. Certainly. Uh, quick correction. So, Dur- uh, Mike, Durant was on the show. She was actually the Secretary of State. Uh, Dunbar was this former Solicitor General that ran against him, um, uh, in the primary. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. Uh, Durant was the one that was running for uh, vice president. Okay, all right, but and my then fault. she was the. Oh no, you're fine. And then she was like the sitting secretary of state, I believe. Secretary of state, yeah. And so he basically convinced her to stay on with the position. Okay, yeah. So she was supposed to be Hillary Clinton, except they. It was like she was like a, the weakest version of Hillary Clinton on the planet. Like there was no political skill or insight or gumption or courage at all. She was just. A southerner, a southern, a southerner who was a senator from and a secretary of state. It is wild. Um, Wait, you keep saying that she was a weaker version, but I didn't hear where the differences were in that. Oh my! <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, okay. <laughs> uh, okay. So now, one one other, you know, one other notable thing that I found this show to do was that, like this came out in 2013 and. The uh, I want to say if my, I think my timeline is correct, this show predated Obama's support um, for same-sex marriage, and then I want to say that it also predated uh, uh, Oberg. Sorry, and I apologize to everyone for getting this wrong. Um, Obergfell versus uh, you guys can bail me out at any moment with whatever the, with the bill. Uh, Obergfell versus Hodges, I believe, which essentially uh, which is the the Supreme Court case, which. Uh, civil rights, uh, Supreme Court, uh, sorry, Supreme Court case of the civil rights. Good Lord, there's a lot of C's and S sounds in that. Uh, that made it a fundamental right to marry for same-sex couples. Uh, so I want to say that this show actually predated it, like in terms of uh, its release versus when that case um, came about and Obama's support. The reason I bring that up is that. Uh, you look at Frank uh, Frank Underwood. There's infamously, and I don't mean to say that derogatorily, but very notably rather, there's the scene where he has a threesome with his wife and with uh, his head of security meets yeah. him. And there's that was also season two. That was season yeah. two. Okay, yeah. And then season yeah. one, they kind of imply that something that happened at the what the Sentinel was it the Sentinel was the fake college that he went to. That's supposed to be like the Citadel, the Sentinel, I think. Right. Yeah. The okay. So right. yeah, they have him at going to like a I don't know if it's like a fifty seventh anniversary or something like that, but he goes back to hang out with his college buddies from the Sentinel, and they sort of uh, imply it was that for his fraternity, wasn't it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so they kind of imply that some uh, some interactions happen, potentially an orgy, I guess. And I think this show is ahead of, like, I don't think you can escape sort of the fact pretty early on that it's established that Frank Underwood's likely bisexual. And even, even and more credence to that is he talks about sex is uh, strictly just about power, right. you know. And well, that's what's, gets, that's, that's what's interesting is I would, I would, I don't know about his sexuality. Because I don't know that he looks at sex in any sort of human way like that. Okay. Where, like, be, to your point, I think it's all it's all about power, and I think that's actually maybe one of the better themes of the of the whole show that they I think get very very right is sort of the uh, sex within its within sort of the power division of sex and and the fact that like. These people don't care. Like, you brought up gay marriage. But, like, are, 
if we all knew Obama when he was 12, he didn't give a fuck about gay people getting married. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, it's about the policy of supporting it. And again, because Bill Clinton did sign DOMA, though he said whatever, he would have, you know, vetoed it, but it would have still passed. So veto it, dude, and then and then let it pass. That was a very significant thing that he did by signing that bill. As a president, the greatest act that you have is objecting a bill and vetoing it, regardless of it still having majority in House and Senate to pass. It doesn't matter. That's the whole point. And he didn't do it because it's a very, again, political move, uh, not a personal move. And I think that's what they get very right about this show is that, like, all of the things that these politicians are supporting None of them care. Republican, Democrat, nothing. Well, all these people are whatever. In in the eyes of like the sort of moral uh voter, they're all shitbags. In my eyes, they're all fucking humans, and all humans are like that. Like there's some sort of moral or virtue signaling that we actually need to have, but it's all bullshit. Whatever. Soapbox over. <laughs> there's gonna be a lot of soapboxes in this. <laughs> right on. Mike, anything to comment on that? Um, well, the first thing I'm going to say is I'm not going to step on a soapbox. <laughs> uh, All right. So a lot of soapboxes for me. I'll, I'll limit it to four. <laughs> <laughs> I've had two. I've had two. <laughs> uh, we're going to take away Bowers' conspiracy and then just add another category that's called soapbox and just let you go off. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Chris, you might have to edit that out, though. Okay. Nice. Yeah. I'll, I'll still have gotten the, the box on which this. this okay. Goes. So, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, nah, I was gonna say like I I agree with some of the things that Bauer had mentioned, um, and I think that uh, I mean this show was iconic in a way because it, it it took a lot of things that either had already existed already or pre-existed. Um, and they really just kind of portray, like, a different side of politics, right? And a lot of things you look at on the show and you think perhaps they may be believable uh, just because of the way that they maneuver to, co- like, cover up certain scandals and certain tactics that are forcing them to move against their rivals. Um, for example, like, there's the, uh, I want to say it was season five where they shut down the networks for the Internet Mm-hmm. And they blame it on a terrorist attack from uh, right. ICO, which was basically just a uh, made-up version of ISIS. Um, yep. And it was really just like a ploy for them to try to maneuver against against their rivals, but they're blaming it on the terrorists um, to cover that up, basically. As like mm-hmm. their statistics guy is trying to delete all of their tracks as well. Um, so I, I think a lot of those things you can look at and think like, okay, like what if there are scenarios where in Washington we are fed these storylines where the certain things are going on and people are in Iraq war mode. <laughs> 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 Again, I'm not going to call anyone out, anything out. I'm just going to relate it oh, to the show. So everybody knows that all of those WMDs were found. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, there goes our southern audience. So. <laughs> Let's just keep mentioning everyone on this show that's from the south. That way we can regain our southern audience. All, right. all of our southern Republicans, we love you. Oh, we love, we love all of you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we love all of you. You know, one thing I found striking about the show is that 
Um, I was actually going to get to this a little later, but I don't think I can tell the story of the show uh, without it. The show, this show kind of became obsolete. Like, I still watch it religiously. However, it became obsolete right around season three, and I don't think that that's necessarily a consequence of, like, the writing to have uh, de- deteriorated. Uh, you know, Bo, like, Bo Willimon was the showrunner, and uh, obviously uh, David Fincher was still uh, present all the way through, and then Kevin Space was doing some of the executive producing. Uh, however, around, you know, season three was the one that's focused on the 2016 election. Carry that into and season four, and they're still in the middle of the presidential election somehow. And I'm like, okay, my sort of my issue in this is that the something very famously happened. Season four was uh, 2015, and then sorry, season three rather was 2015, then season four was 2016. As you know, they usually launch these around Valentine's Day or something like that. Um, and you see all the episodes at once, which was pretty revolutionary. We're going to get back to that part. Well, too. season five was still going into 2016, though, because... Yeah. Oh, okay. Was, I got to mix se- up then. The beginning of season five still went in towards, like, the uh, the election for the presidential race. Um, okay. You were so, right sorry, about 2000... season, season three and four were more related towards, like, the DNC and yeah. what they were doing to battle against their, their rivals. And then the middle of season four is when the DNC basically nominated the Underwoods to be uh, president and vice president. Okay, all right. So season, all right, then it's season four and season five that was still about the 2016. Okay, right. So that was the fun ways. Yeah. Okay. My apologies on that. Okay. But I will disagree with you about it being obsolete. Um, I think there were some storylines there that were actually pretty entertaining. Uh, For example, the the whole terrorist plot with the family that was kidnapped by the Mm -hmm. the white Muslim terrorist. Uh, domestic terrorists that um, that were basically on the side of ICO. I, I, I thought that was a good storyline because it is something that is relatable. You could see something like that happening domestically. You could not even white. I'm sorry. I know we want to be PC and all. Right. Stupid. <laughs> that was going to be my follow-up <laughs> Why comment. Is the, oh, sorry. <laughs> Edit mine out. <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. No, I don't mean no. I mean, yeah. I, I get where you're coming from, but I, I think for the sake of being PC and also uh, not trying to stir up any emotions from, like, the community that could have been targeted for this role, um, I think they just decided to play it safe, which I don't blame them for, right? Mm-hmm. And because at the end of the day, you do have cases where you do have some individuals that have sided with um, with these organizations as well. So it's not to say that it would be obsolete. Also, it is a story that could have been possibly true. Yeah. So what I guess more so what I was trying to draw from like th- this this show sort of reveled on its shock value about what American politics is. And then but by 2016, the rest of us I think we became numb to that. Um just from the sense that notably Donald Trump's presidency and I want to say like you look at season 4 that's starting February 2016, at that point uh, we had uh, we had essentially a, a presidential nominee that had circumvented everything that we thought would be what would eliminate somebody from consideration. And America still said, hey, you know what? We're fine with that, and we're still going to do that. And then it's like the House of Cards is still trying to do, like, within itself. It can't go and say, all right, now we're going to be, like, the analytical show and everything like that and all. We still have to be the talk of the town in terms of doing – like absolutely outrageous shit within politics. Meanwhile, we have our we legit have a presidential candidate that goes, "Hey, 
If I bet you, I can walk down to Times Square and I'd shoot a man and everybody would still like me, telling you it's great, tremendous support I have. You have, like, stuff like that, and, like, whether that's just, it's hyperbolic, yeah, but, you know, whether the person actually believes that, to actually go on a campaign trail and say that, knowing that the media is covering you, and then it's like, you come back to this show, and it's like, okay, could this reality, like, you know, is this more outrageous than the reality that we're living now? And I think that, yeah. Okay. It's not at all. I mean, I think, uh, I think you're exactly right in pointing out the dates of when, this is like, uh, when when shows don't know the ending, mm-hmm. uh, when they start like Lost or whatever, but uh, that's like a whole different problem. Actually, Breaking Bad too, but Breaking Bad accomplished it and did an amazing job. The um, Lost did not. The uh, <laughs> I, I think like everyone uh, in the world, they thought Clintons would win, and so I think both your points are exactly right. Like. Uh, when Mike was talking about it's all about the DNC, of course, yeah, 100%. Like, that was all about maneuvering in any possible way to never actually get, you know, Bernie to, to, to be able to actually win this nomination, this guy who goes from 1%, you know, to vote to, to literally, like, 43. I mean, that was, like, insane, that, that rise. But they did everything they could within the party to make sure he didn't and whatever, whether you like him, whether you don't like him, I mean, it's just very well documented that that was the case. And I think that's what they were commenting on. But I think that they, uh, they Frank, assume... In regards to Frank Underwood, or...? Uh, no, 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 just, just the... Yeah, I mean, essentially navigating within the party to basically assure that they would get what they wanted. Yeah. Well, I think, and I think, well, I think that sort of, I see the point that you're making. I think that within this, if you look at that storyline, it's Frank Underwood was never chosen. Um, so for those of you who don't know the background of the show, I don't know why the fuck you're listening, but whatever. Well, uh, we appreciate it never, nonetheless. Essentially, uh, as Mike had highlighted. Yeah, there was no the, primary process, obviously. But well, I mean, he was, like, he was never, he, he was Gerald Ford. You know, it starts out with the first yeah, season. He's sure. he's doing what he can to get rid of what's the guy governor or no sorry president Gavin Walker or Gary sorry Garrett Walker Garrett Garrett, Garrett Walker. Walker yeah so Garrett Walker also great like that's a pretty like I I didn't know before the show that Gary was short for Garrett mm. did you guys know that I did not all right if I have a son he's gonna be named Garrett just so I can call him Gary just for the fuck of it um anyway so Gary, like uh but how would you spell it uh the way that they do it on this show. G E R R I E, or is it G A R Y? Wait, wait, well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Slow, no, no, slow down. Respell it the exact same way you just spelled it right now, and then sound it out. G E R R I E. Isn't that Garrett? Garrett? Oh, oh, I thought you were talking about Garrett. Still, okay, no, I uh, do the G A R. Sorry, the G A R Y. I was like, what the fuck is? Uh, no, anyways, so. Essentially, the first episode, it it does everything it can. To, it gets you on – fucking, I feel like a broken record because I said this last show. But it does everything it can to get you on Frank Underwood's side, and you side with him. Yeah, so also, Mike really does like Hector Mendoza as well. Mike is Hector Mendoza. Why? Why? I mean, look, it's just – In look, this show is what I mean. First, like, first if you were going to be cast – you would have been cast as Hector. Yeah, yeah, you would. Yeah, yeah. Either that, or they would have just said, "Hey, uh, Linda Vasquez can be Mike." Uh, we'll just make this a male. Uh, I would have been because isn't there that season where she's talking about her son, how he wasn't able to get into college? Yeah, I've been you. He's trying to apply for school, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, okay, hey, well, all right. so 
Before I get into the plot, it's like, do we? That do kid we like seems it? like a gamer, though. Like a big <laughs> gamer. Like I wouldn't be Hector. I wouldn't be Hector Mendoza. First of all, shout out to right. Benito Martinez, who was uh, the actor that plays him. But first of all, he's a Mexican Republican from Arizona, or and he's a yeah, he's from, yeah, he's from Arizona. So, yeah, he's from Arizona. Yeah. So automatically, like all of those things will not be me. Like Republican, Arizona senator. No, no, no. <laughs> so all right. yeah, you don't. If you uh, had to live in Arizona, what part of Arizona would? Uh, if I had to, Tucson. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why you asked. Uh, Phoenix? I don't know. Uh, no, you would have lived in Tucson. I don't know. Like, stop. <laughs> He's being generous, man. Like, yeah. Hector Mendoza was from I Tucson. Mean, <laughs> his his character was good. You know, like, the guy played a dick. And, I mean, if I recall correctly, wasn't he, like, a staff member on uh, Reagan's? Reagan's? Yeah, yeah. He 80, was. 84 campaign as well? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he definitely old. wouldn't be me either. He, yeah. He looked younger, like, like, yeah, he looked way younger than to have, like, worked on fucking Reagan's campaign. Like, I mean, I think they must the have, yeah, he must have been, like, a fucking younger than what they portray like him to be. What's up? I said, I think the actor that plays him is younger than what they portray him to be. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, alright, so, but the, the main plot of, the main plot of the show, though, was essentially that Linda, uh, Linda Vasquez had gone up very first episode, lets Frank know that he is not going to be the Secretary of State, which he had campaigned for Walker in order to get the role. She said that they needed him more in the, uh, at, they needed him more as the, he is the majority whip, I believe, which. Whole whip. Whole whip, yeah. Whip, whip. And that, I'm not gonna cool, lie, that's cool whip. Cool whip, whip. yeah. <laughs> Stewie mode here. Uh, also. Sweet thins. I, like, I would have, I sided immediately with Frank Underwood. Number one, because they lied to him. Then number two, um, Secretary of State to be like, hey, just please stay as majority whip. That's like the fucking, like, that's not, that job's the most, the least important job to have a fucking title. Like, all that does is you work yeah, with the, you you essentially work with the Speaker of the House. <laughs> yeah, like, it would be one thing if you, yeah, oh, could he, you he was the literally the house? No, he's dog the fucking the assistant to the fucking Speaker of the House, you know? Hey, what do you think yeah. of this idea? I can help you get these 17 votes. Oh, okay, great. Yada, yada. I'll get all the fucking glory and people will, like, write on Wikipedia that I did it. Uh, go whip those votes for me, Mr. Speaker. Anyways, so he has a great quote where he goes, I think it is that uh, the nature of promises that they remain immune to any changing circumstances. And then Linda doesn't give a fuck. And immediately everyone's like, you know what? We understand this. Thoughts on this, guys. Well, I think uh, <clears throat> the, the interesting thing is the the whole show is about his vanity and his ambition, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and as as majority whip, that is actually like a great job for him for what his skill set is. Like, he's perfect for that. Yeah, getting southern voters person. or getting like, southern uh, Republican voters, I guess. Not even that. I think just like uh, manipulating everything, wheeling and dealing, being being the the scumbag person who will like forego any of his own values to like get the accomplishment of like the uh, the feather in the cap of getting something done. Like that's that's perfect for him. That's mm. not a good president at all. Um, uh, which is why the whole businessman. Getting stuff done, but it's so stupid. 
dumbest shit ever. But whatever, cool. Yeah, awesome. Good. Good for people who think that. Um, yeah, so so I, I think that's what's interesting is, like, that's the first episode. And to me, I think in his heart of hearts, Frank Underwood knows that's what he's good at. But his ambition convinces him that because I'm the best at this, this is this is what like this is this is what a president is. And that's why instead of the values of understanding that like, oh, I'm altruistic, I'm compassionate, like that's what a president should be, right? George Washington invented term limits. By the way, they did have they did have a comment about that in season five, which is a good call out. But, mm-hmm. like, you need that's, – that's an American. That's an American president. That's the idea of American exceptionalism is, like, that understanding. And he lacks any of that. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think they call that out in the very first episode, which is My why thoughts. I thought it was fantastic. The first episode I saw, I was like, this is a great show. Um, well, first of all, I wanted to just say that I didn't really like Linda Vasquez's character. I thought she was weak. And Mike said she took my, that lady. That lady. That lady who played her, uh, Sakina Jaffrey took my damn job. Well, that's. I mean, I wasn't gonna get into that, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of my other gripe. It's like we have Sakina Jaffrey, who's Amer. She's uh, Indian American, so she's playing like a Latina role, but she's not even Latina. Uh, anyway, she's brown. I didn't like. What's that? <laughs> so she's brown. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. It fits the profile. Um, yeah, so I mean, like, I didn't like her character. I thought she was weak, and I think that's why it was easy for Frank Underwood to basically, like, undermine her and, like, step over her to get what he wanted. I think that had it been a stronger character, and and I don't mean her as an actress, I just mean, like, as a character in general, uh, a stronger character that would have been able to sniff out, like, what he was doing and, like, really stand up to him and kind of put a stop to what he was uh, maneuvering behind everyone's backs. Uh, he would never have accomplished what he did. And so I, I think a lot of that played into what he was also strategizing to basically undermine Garrett and get what he wanted. Yeah, that's a good point. No one likes this kid. Just whack. Uh, across the board. Garbage. We. So, yeah. So, yeah. Scott, I don't know if you remember, Jillian Cole, season one, she worked at the – she worked at the – Water nonprofit or whatever fuck Claire's job was while she Black was. Blackwater nonprofit. Yeah, okay, that one. So <laughs> she's the one that had the abortion, and we first see how cold Claire is when she talks about how she's willing to let her fetus die, and she goes, "Oh, but you and I both don't want that, yada yada." So cut this deal or so. So we actually used to work I with mean, the lady. Wait, 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 wait. Why What's is that up? cold? Why is that cold though? Well, I think the lady was asking for health care, essentially, and then, like... Okay, that's a good point, yeah. Yeah. I thought you meant the abortion thing. Well, no, I thought you meant... No, no, just what you said to her. I'm willing to let your fetus die, right, if you don't uh, succumb to my will and do whatever I can, and you're powerless to stop that, right? That's essentially what she said. That's pretty cold. I mean, true. Yeah, like, regardless of... Well, it's like, yeah, she... Yeah, of course she holds all the cards... But just like saying that, it's like okay, and like you're, we're not really trying to make her likable, but nevertheless. Anyways, so that lady Jillian Cole, so the actress that played her was actually related to someone that you and I used to work with back at the uh, large conglomerate. Let's call her Marsha. Yeah, Marsha. So this girl, so this actress, uh, this actress was the baby mama of 
a how do you all right this girl that we work with named Marsha was engaged to a guy and always talked about having to take care of his daughter and the daughter was the daughter of the actress that played uh Jillian Cole so really interesting story and I I try to pick her, the lady's brain as much as I can but the, the reason I brought this up is that this is one of those characters that sort of drops in for like uh these are 13 episode seasons essentially and they have like a lot of characters that come in do like quick two to three episode arcs where everything's fucking crazy and none of that ever wears on the main characters in this and they barely harken back to them. I think that even had like uh Tom Hammerschmidt, who was actually significantly in the show, he disappeared for like two fucking seasons, then it returned and they had never mentioned yeah. him or anything. Yeah. I I think this this show did a interesting job of some of this. Like if you look at Remy, uh Remy Danton and Jackie Sharp. Well, I know you too. Yes, thank you. Yes. Uh, yes. So Chris yeah. Wiggins is Remy. If I'm exactly. going to be Hector Mendoza, you're going to be Remy. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, he's I, Remy. Re- All right, that's fine. No, I remember both of we'll Jackie Sharp. Uh, oh, this should be good. <laughs> Marsha Mar- Mar- as well. Marsha as well. Yeah. So uh, also interesting tidbit. Uh, so. I, I want to say, I forgot who the hell is first that brought it. Maybe it was Chris Hill whose ass isn't here right now, or maybe it was you, Mike. One of you two. One of the, It was one of the three of y'all had brought up how my situation was extremely similar to Remy because I had dated a girl that I semi-worked with, I guess, and we worked in the same circles, we'll say. I mean, <laughs> well, that's she works like four offices away. <laughs> okay, all right. That's okay. what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> And, I didn't hold my breath on that one. I was like, oh, here we go. Okay. And at one point, she had been engaged, and the engagement had ended uh, for some reason. And then I ended up with the person, and the person had a very similar look to Jackie Sharp, where she had brown hair, a skinny face, a skinny nose. <laughs> like and, and she was white. It, yeah, well, yeah. And I thought when I said skinny, <laughs> uh, skinny face and skinny nose uh, implied that. Um, and she had really, really piercing blue eyes, and the fact that she left a, well, I guess Jackie Sharp, did she get married in this, or no? Yeah, she was married. Okay, yeah, she and got she married. Came clean to, she came clean to the dude about she was having an affair with Remy. Okay, yeah, so I didn't have an affair, um, uh, but any, nevertheless, the situation was. It doesn't was, matter if you did. Oh, uh, no, okay, I didn't, no, alright, no, that's fine, yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't do that. Okay. Uh, I was not involved in anyone having an affair, but the person left. And so I think it was either Scott, Chris, or Mike who had brought up how the situation is very interesting. I want to say it was Chris Hill, and then I brought it up to both of you at separate times. And then both of you were like, oh, that's the hell yeah. Well, no, I've, I've always said that, like, from the moment I saw the show, Remy basically reminded me of you. Like, the mannerisms yeah. are similar. The mannerisms were similar, uh, just his attitude, like, talking about how he always gets what he wants and just being, like, a very ambitious and, like, driven person. Um, all right, I'm done jerking him off now. <laughs> uh, and basically just how you were – you both are the types of individuals to really, like, um, maneuver in a way where, like, you're going to do what's best for you, but you're also not going to really snitch on people, you know? Like, Remy was also very specific about, like, not throwing names out there. But he was also very specific about, like, being on his own agenda and looking out for himself. Which is some shit that you would do, you know? Well, I think most people would do that. You gotta you gotta do both. I mean, you can't be a na- naive and be like, 
oh, I'm going to attach myself to this guy who I know is a terrible person. He'll look out for me, though. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was just a smart, smart cat, you know? True. Um, uh, I think, so this is an interesting question, and I think we're going to get more into him later, but Marshall Ali, like, was this one of his bigger, like, first bigger roles? Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so too. I mean, and he was not young here, so he's, he's had to have had, like, a long career. Well, he had been in the key, kind of like got in the game a little late, and then he had been in the game for a while after he got in, but he mostly had like smaller roles. This was kind of like his big, like, kind of breakout. And then once yeah. he did Moonlight, where obviously like he won the Oscar for Best Supporting Actor, um, that Green kind of broke him in. No, Moonlight, bro. Oh, that's right. He won both. Yeah. yeah. He's like Tom Hanks. Uh, before that, I would have said uh, that he, that he to me was was like a, uh, what we talked about earlier, or maybe a link during the break. He was like a Michael Shannon or an Adam Driver. Like Marshall Ali is like a fucking he's like a fucking actor's actor, you know? Like yeah. And then I would compare uh, him to like Michael Shannon. I think yeah. Like a comparison because totally. Michael Shannon was very similar, like smaller roles, and then. The one that I but I'm like carried so carried fucking scenes with a smaller oh, role yeah. like right like oh, yeah. yeah like his 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 character in Boardwalk Empire was yes like, so good like he carried like the non nucky storylines of Boardwalk Empire Michael Shannon carried it oh, like yeah. he was he was the other he was the other protagonist. Like well, because he came in as as an antagonist because he's like the main detective, right, the main correct. police officer that's investigating them and coming down towards them. Exactly. And then he becomes a protagonist as now like he kills kills a few people, ends up being psychotic in a yeah, way I mean, where he's still using the name of God and the Bible uh, to portray his character yes. of being like this this person that judges both good and evil and lays down the law. But he's not really... It's like, you're not objective, bro. <laughs> like, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, anyway, getting yeah, Remy, Remy Danton is uh, Chris Wiggins. Yeah, I love it. I'll take it. Uh, yeah, so, the, but the, the larger Who point... Who is Bauer? Thinking, Who is Bauer, first of all? Because, like... You've already thrown me out there. You've thrown, we've thrown Wiggins. Oh, out there. Who, fucking who? Are, who's the guy, who's the guy that like want that like punched Frank Underwood and wanted him to no. Uh, no. <laughs> no, that's not me. You guys got me all wrong. I know uh, exactly oh, who I am. Oh, 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 dude, Russo, Russo, all day. The hair, no, the fucking Russo? lifestyle, yeah. Fuck the yeah. Hair. <laughs> Balding jokes aren't aren't the only go to in this. Uh, <laughs> Uh, okay, do you want me to name the other ways or what? I'm trying to be like nice. Bowers the, the one that gets Bowers the one that gets killed after the first season, the last episode I think, or second to last. No, my character, you guys are all wrong. Is the speechwriter turned uh, turned love affair of Claire Underwood? Uh, I'm not a redhead, but uh, fucking what's his name? Uh, Zach or whatever. What's nah, his name? Uh, fuck, what was his name on the show? 
I know what actor you're talking about. Um, oh, Yates. 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 Yes. Yeah, he's a writer. He starts off Correct. writing for uh, Frank, and then he he Correct. starts hanging around with Claire, and then he's there when her mom dies and everything. Yes. I mean, I know I like totally moved the goalpost by saying by claiming my own character, but you guys, your guys' characters were so shitty. So. You kind of surprised me in that role because <laughs> I also associate him with um, with Boardwalk Empire because he played. Do you remember his, his character in there? He played Mickey Doyle. Yeah, so good. It, such a different character. Such a different character, you know, because yeah. he's kind of like this, like, kind of goofy, but like... I did a little voice boxer. like this! Yeah. <laughs> Change his name, because I don't know what his name was prior to that, and then he starts going under Mickey Doyle. And so, like, you kind of, you look at him that way, and then you see him come in as Yates, and he's kind of like this writer, like, serious, but he's, like, brilliant kind of a playboy because he seduces Claire and then, like, ends up, like, becoming her side dude. And I think he did a really good job under that character. Like, he, he really Absolutely. Me, but I think he owned that role and he killed it. And I think 100%. that his storyline with Claire kind of showed, like, how both her and Frank had, like, this weird relationship where they were kind yeah. of... No, I don't want to say polygamous, but they were kind of... And I don't even want to say, like, open relationship because they weren't even sleeping together. Like, they were sleeping in separate beds. I don't even think we really ever, ever saw them, like, well... You know what I think, thing? I think the thing I think I liked the most about this show, out of everything, and there's... That? I didn't like it a lot, the whole show. I Actually, first two seasons were great, and then the show sucked. But... I'd say the first three. And third was okay. You're right. I would say three. The thing, the thing that I think was the most amazing thing about this entire show... Claire and Frank, maybe until the very end, were unquestionably and amazingly honest with one another about everything. I agree. And that was, could you imagine being that honest to someone else? Like, that's fucking, that was impressive. Like, I mean, all of all of your weaknesses, all of your insecurities, like, they were honest about it all. Like, that was kind of... And they made it evil, almost. Like, <laughs> like you shouldn't be that honest with, with some other person because you I, can literally, like, fuck shit up if you're that honest. I think that their relationship was really, like, the model of two people that really knew each other very well. and and Because they were honest from day one? Right, but so the you know music, more about yeah, yeah, exactly. They knew each other for a long time because they're both from the same area. Well, no, she's from Texas and he's from. Well, they're both Southern people. They're that both Southern are Republicans who decided to make they they allude later on. They, they knew each other for a long time. They'd been married for a long time, and possibly their relationship was like this from the beginning, and knowing someone that well. I mean, it turns into, I, I want to say the relationship was more of, like, a benefit for them, where it was something that it 100%. joined together to form, I guess, what you would call today, like, the power couple, right? Where both of them have this power dynamic, and they both want to get somewhere, and they both yeah. can, um, they both can basically help influence each other to get to where they want to be, to achieve It's not always a good thing, and that's what it, I think was cool about it, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it's I, like, I, you can also be evil together. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, because Which I think is, yeah. Has a similar end goal. 
Henry Lewis. Let's log out of this and let's go j- direct to the FaceTime call. Yeah, what up? Yo, I can't hear either of you. Peter Russo. So, you guys, right, so, are you guys able to do it at one? All right, I think it's time that we shift over to those old categories, which everybody's been looking for. Let's go ahead and start out with first team all pro casting. Uh, okay, I, yeah, I, so I went ahead and put, I want to say this was me that put this, but um, I went ahead and put uh, Diane Lane and Greg Kadir as the Shepherd twins towards the end of it. Uh, they did an outstanding job of being like creepy uh, benefactors, if you will. And Greg Kinnear just looks like he should be in a political show. And then also you had, uh, I went ahead with Kevin Spacey, obviously, and then Mahershala Ali. And then, uh, Lars Michelson. AKA you. AKA me. And Lars. Also, uh, shout out to What's Your Name playing, uh, Jackie Sharp as well. No, just kidding. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, then I also went with, uh, she did a good job though, like, in that role. PTSD the whole time she was in. (laughs) (laughs) She reminded you of, uh, past flings. Exactly. Yeah, straight up. Uh, and so we were like, Shout out to all the Molly Parkers out there that have haunted Chris Wiggins. All the Molly, yeah, uh, no, just, yeah, <laughs> just just Molly Parker and like the way she looks in the storyline, right? Um, well, don't worry. After you, they're all just lost in space. Was she in that? Yeah. Or what? Uh, about it. <laughs> Wait, was she yeah, in that yeah. movie? Yeah, no, no, no. The, the Netflix show, great show. Oh, okay, all right, gotcha. Uh, Lars Michelson as Petrov. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and make that number one for me. Uh, what do you guys got? I have Michael Kelly as the Weak. deadly stamper. And uh, you Derek. say deadly stamper? Yeah. Fuck oh, okay. Yeah. How many people? Yeah. How many people did he kill? That's true. High body yeah. count. Yeah. High um, body count. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, what, not like was he Chris? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I wish they would have just added teardrops to stamper. That would have been sweet. Right. He would have been the <laughs> <third> out. <laughs> Scott, uh, Scott, who do you got? Uh, wait, hold oh, on. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, All right. a, I also had Derek Cecil, Cecile as Seth Grayson. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I he did a good job. He did, he did a great job. Press okay. secretary, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I feel like he had, like, I feel like a lot of these, like, he had a very small cabinet, or uh, <laughs> we just don't see them. Because uh, I feel like he played, he, even though I know that he was supposed to be the press secretary, I feel like he, like, had, like, four different, like, cabinet positions in there. Yeah, well, he did a lot. He wasn't, that's because he wasn't Trump and fired like one person every other week. He wasn't that Jed. He wasn't that Jed Bartlett. Right, He's like, right. All right, my team is yeah, my team is fucking it. All right, yeah, okay. Uh, Scott, who do you got? And then we'll discuss these. A little. Uh, I adore her, and I think that she did a great job outside of uh, the final season, which no one could have made good. Robin Wright. Yeah, uh, I thought she was fantastic the whole time. Cougar, total cougar in this oh, movie. Oh, I mean, like, yeah, just cougar. like redefined yeah. it. Like, yeah, cougars oh, had to fantastic. step their game up after this. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, there's no joking around. Yo, and and rocking that uh that typical older white mom short hair. Oh, yeah. dude, she made it look good. Like it yeah, was. She made uh, that shit Definitely, absolutely. Uh, it looks like Chris Wiggins in the bars and just in a bar. <laughs> the moment he sees that it, it's a wrap, he's like a torpedo. Yeah. He just goes straight to it. 
She's like, he goes right up to her. He goes, uh, yeah, can I get some ice with a splash of vodka in there and a lime? Thank you. For you. Right over there. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, I think I, I think that's great, Cass. I, 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 yeah. Um, I'm gonna put her top. I'm gonna go to. Uh, she's gonna make my top three for sure. Um, yeah. Sorry top to cut you off, what? Scott. Go ahead. No, top, no, no. It's top, all good. Top three what? Top three what? Cat in terms of casting. Yeah, if I did like a three people on the all time casting uh, to shorten the list, I'd go. This is not necessarily any order. This is just like you're doing like an NBA All First Team or whatever. Um, I'd go Robin Wright as Claire Underwood. I would legit go Lars Michelson as Petrov. And then I'd go uh, Mahershala Ali as uh, Remy. Really? You would yeah. not include Kevin Spacey in there? Well, I don't want both Underwoods in there. No, I mean, it's, look, it's great. Great, like, obviously great casting. And he, I mean, he's the main person on the, he was like the main person on the show and all. Uh, so look, great acting, obviously great acting by him. I think he's won an, I think he won an Emmy for it too. Um, so yeah, yeah. obviously great. Uh, but I want to go for some of the less heralded and less where they get, didn't get as much focus in season one. So I went with Robin Wright. I mean, this is a big win for Marshall Ali as well, right? Like, I mean, he had been in stuff, but like, yeah. this was kind of a long way from predators. Right. That was a great movie though. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's been in a ton of stuff since then, and and, and well recognized and deservedly so. Yeah, especially um, since he like started his career a little later. Yeah, did this right. resurrect Robin Wright's career? I would. Um, that is a great question. Maybe, maybe oh it God. resurrected it in a because she was kind of the younger hot girl for a while, in a lot of things. I mean, right, like. Uh, in, like in Princess Bride and Forrest Gump, essentially. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, and then is she still married to Sean Penn? Or she had no, 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 no. No, they got, no, they've been divorced for a while. Well, that's what I thought. That was kind of like a, a second sort of career that she had. She had some odd sort of side characters. And, uh, yeah. She was like a very evil character in one movie. I can't really pre- remember. And Wiggins, are you sure you never met her? Remember. And then uh, what's and up? Then, Am I sure what? No, I'm saying Wig- uh, you never met her. Isn't she from Dallas? Uh, I believe she is. No, I mean, dude, she was popular. Before, like she like blew up before I was born. <laughs> yeah, I'm not yeah. y'all's age, right? Y'all, y'all, <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't. I mean, she's look. She moved. She was married to Sean Penn while I was like, no, like you would have had just as we both lived in California when she was married to Sean Penn. You know, like we would have had the same. Yeah. But you were in Dallas Shit. from what, like two thousand, what six to ten? Yeah. Wait. You, did she? I don't think she went. Did she go back there? Maybe. I don't know. Right, this is like the most faulty ever. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Mike. Did you meet Marcus Allen? Uh, actually, I did meet him once. Okay. All right. Bad bags. Did, was, did you meet uh, Reggie he Bush? Was, he was like kind of neighbors with this dude I knew. Okay, did you meet Reggie Bush? Not like directly. But no, but you were, you lived in San Diego from you know. I mean, I was just a club once at the same time he was. But okay, all right, okay. So you understand? With, he was in there with Kim K. Okay. Before, so you understand that you you can be in the place where someone was born and not meet them. Listen, man. I'm just gonna <laughs> you up. All right, like by being her Blade Runner. That's what she was in Blade Runner 2049, and she was like. Uh, oh, really, really evil person. 
uh, okay. Robin Wright. Yo, but she um, does the evil role very well. Yeah. Look at her. Yeah, yeah. She has, like, an evil face. Wasn't <laughs> she the mom in, uh, or wasn't she the wife in Moneyball, too? Correct. Yeah. yeah she sucks. Yes. Um, okay, so moving on. My second all-team pro-casting. <laughs> first all-team pro-casting. Boris MacGyver as Tom Hammerschmidt. Uh, How did I know you were going to choose him? Because uh, he was a great journalist, very good investigative investigative journalist. And, uh, he didn't let things go, that's why. Well, <laughs> that's too. But he also, no, he was also kind of the conspiracy guy. Like, I was he about kinda, to say, he definitely was one for conspiracies. Oh, why for sure. But he also why. knew them. Like, he was he was kind of the, uh, um, uh, well, I don't know. Did they kind of, yeah, because they, no, that was more, we'll get into that later. Anyway. He, yeah, he was a he was kind of a truth seeking journalist. I thought the weirdest thing though was he was this sort of outcast journalist, and then by season six he was literally like uh, Wolf Blitzer calling the CNN election live or whatever. Like it, yeah. it just it was just a really weird like deep dive journalist for the Washington Post is now also the TV guy. Maybe yeah. it's kind of the same well, as Seth Grayson. They cut some corners. It was weird. <laughs> I thought it was interesting with them because he took a little hiatus, right? So, like, the first season. Yeah, he's gone from, like, two to three. Two, uh, two, two right. to four, right? I'd say, like, late season two to four, yeah. Okay, yeah. Because he was still talking. I think at the beginning of season two, he was still talking to that dude, Lucas. Yeah. After after Zoe Barnes had gotten killed. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but man. Yeah, I barely talked about her, huh? Um, actually, she's my other candidate for first team all pro casting. Oh, wow. mm-hmm. I'm just kidding. 14 episodes, are. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, we have not talked about Lars Michelson, all right? First of all, he looks, he looks like fucking, uh, Vladimir Putin. Putin. Yeah. You know, it's just like, like, I just, There's just serious waiting. lack of shirtless man on bear in how yeah, yeah. I was like, I was waiting for that, right, when they're, when they talk, when he's talking to Frank in that fucking cabin or whatever and he's talking about how he got stuck and he like uh he got stuck and had to help kill that guy or whatever when he was trapped with them or whatever i was like yeah. all right a bear is coming and the shirt's coming off right and then it didn't happen Wasn't, didn't he also talk about killing a guy uh yeah when he and frank were in the middle east so the exact same thing i just said yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you said a cabin bro that wasn't really well they weren't in the cabin it was like a little bunker kind of oh a bunker cat same thing all right Look, uh, yeah no offense scott I'm no, a cabin no, no. Was popular in Ohio. Well, I grew up in a cabin, kind of. It was awesome. All right. Um, so yeah, when they're in the bunker, uh, you're right. My cabin. Yeah, it was kind of a. It was. Uh, uh, near yeah, near the Appalachian. How old are you? Two thirty. Two hundred thirty. Yeah, no, no, no. For real though, uh, in in southeast Ohio in the Appalachians, near the Appalachian Trail, there's a lot of like basically towns that existed in the 1800s that haven't changed much. Yeah. <laughs> in terms of okay. infrastructure and architecture. Um, Interesting. Yeah, it's so pretty crazy. Do you guys have running water? Uh, no, outhouse. Okay. Well, running water in the sinks, yes, but through a, uh, what's it called, like a well, essentially. Um, I didn't like Again, grow How old up, are you? Up there. Well, I didn't grow up, grow up there. My dad lived there for a bit, and so like I went every other yeah, bro. So when you came to L.A., it was really, like, mind-blowing, huh? Oh, God, for sure. Well, I lived in Columbus, Ohio, for a year, so that was... Nah, I was, I was big, kidding. That was the big city. <laughs> no, 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 but for real, like, no, 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 L.A., 
was a huge uh, kind of adjustment. I had been to big cities, but I hadn't lived in a big city. So it was very, yeah. yes, absolutely very different. All right. Uh, what do you guys think about terrible casting? Oh, terrible casting. That's a... I'm going with Joel Kinnaman as Will Conway. That's a nice little plot twist. Yeah, yeah. You know what, dude? He he fucking sucked, man. They should have picked someone. Else. <laughs> yeah, like his accent kept fucking poking through. No, I'm just saying, like, to be a fucking presidential candidate. Oh, you didn't like him. You so you didn't like the character as a presidential candidate. Nah, I just I I, I thought they could have picked someone. Like the character was there. Like I, I saw where they were trying to take it. Right, it's so, like a war veteran. Uh, mm-hmm. He's supposed to be like this family man, like tall, good looking, like. Even Frank Young. throws out that whole statistic about, like, what is it, 63% of CEOs are above 6 foot, what, 6 foot 3, 6 foot 2? Uh, I think 6'1". Yeah. 6 foot in general? All right. Six, uh, I think 6'1". Six one. I think 6'1", six one, was it? 6'1", six yeah. okay. Uh, but, yeah, I thought the actor, I don't know, man, it just wasn't there for me. Like, when he had, like, his little outburst, like, I could see, okay, like, you know, he has... Yeah, he was kind of, like, Manchurian candidate or something. It was, like, a weird, like... (laughs) Yeah. I just thought that... He had the British wife and everything, and they're trying to paint him as, like, an all-American family. Okay, can we just go first first team all-pro casting... Uh, just based on His looks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She wins. Ooh, she wins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> look, at uh, you seem like a, what's her name, Gallagher girl. Uh, what's her name from uh, Cabin in the Woods who played uh, Peter Russo's side piece? Uh, uh, the one that gets killed. Uh, yeah. Uh, wait. No, 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 no. no. Oh, sorry. Not, well, all right. Well, I guess he had a this side one, piece. This one's Dominique Miguelagat. Smoking hot. Yeah, she is, yeah. Yes. Yeah, you always Hannah got me as a Christina Gallagher. She was like the congressional staffer uh, for for Walker. And she was like getting on with the uh, Russo. I li- yeah, I liked her. Yeah, yeah. she's yeah, she, Kristen Connolly. She seems like a Scott type chick. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Dominic, uh, yeah, first team. Yeah, Dominic Gallagher is everybody's type. <laughs> yeah, my problem with Connolly is that, number one, it's just the actor, like his accent, Joel Kinnaman, I think he's Dutch or some shit like that or whatever. Um, or, or I, don't, I don't care. Um, I like him in the RoboCop reboot. I thought he was dope. <laughs> you ruined that too. Uh, <laughs> I just think that yeah, his, and like, what was he in Suicide Squad? Also, um, oh god, yeah, yeah, he was. He plays um, he plays one of the cops that goes on that last or something. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, you're right. No, just his his accent. I think he's Swedish, but his accent would poke through, and I'm like, hey, I'm sorry, this guy's gonna be a New York Republican. Uh, was he in the army? Uh, apparently, right? He was in the Air, Air Force. I think Special okay. Forces. Yeah, I'm willing to overlook the the fast rise where you join service. Somehow you join service after 9/11. So we're going to say 2002 is when you're able to actually serve, and we'll say that he goes 2002 to 2006. Somehow in that time he's able to be, be, be elected governor of New York as a Republican, and then all of a sudden, mm, oh, let's, that's all kind of par for the course. What Republican governor of New York? Uh, yeah, the, that's a little far fetched. Well, yeah, were, it's just they should have had him come. That was that was a little silly. They should have had him come from like uh, I don't know what would be a good state, Arkansas. Now, well, even New Jersey would have worked better. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I think Jersey would have fit better. Wisconsin, yeah, Wisconsin could have done well. He could have yeah. been a more respectable version of like a Chris Christie. Yeah, could it just it's just like oh, sloppy. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean, yeah. My, the only the only. <laughs> 
the only thing that I agreed with Chris Christian was his fandom of the Dallas Cowboys. Outside of that, I was like, this guy sucks. Fair I enough. mean, he could probably point you in the right direction of good pizza, good pasta, good strip club. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> He's like knock, like yeah, he's like knock off Tony Soprano. Yeah, All basically. Right. Um, so let's go with uh, hey was hey was that? Um, I couldn't find. I mean, there's like a bunch of cameos of like political people, but I, I think the show might have been a little bit too new for anyone to say, oh, well, this person blew up from that or anything. Um, uh, but you guys actually, you guys found some people though that I, that I couldn't for some reason. Who you guys I got? I didn't find anyone. Okay, Scott did. I found two people, uh, and I hope it counts. Uh, I think it does at this time. So, uh, Rachel Brashnan. Oh, nice. Good one. played Rachel. She's yeah, right, now nah, in the hit show Marvel, Marvelous Miss Maisel, which okay. actually recently won awards, too. Okay, yeah. I guess Molly Parker would yeah, count also. Marvelous, Marvelous Miss Maisel killed the awards this year. Yeah. I did, yeah. It's very good. good. Great find. Uh, I was with this one. And then this. also Boris Kojo. I feel like he was more popular before the show. He might have been. Like, I, th- I feel like him and Nev Campbell are in the... Yeah. Uh, like, yeah right, this, I think Nev Campbell could be a good call-out just because she was gone forever. Well, I know, but people knew, like, oh, that's the girl from Scream. Yeah. In the she crowd. looked better in this than she did yeah. in Scream, by the way. A uh, big time. So, all right, let me ask you guys. Do Michael Kelly, Corey Stoll, uh, and Molly Parker, do they count as, hey, was that? Or, hey, was that? Molly Parker, yes. I think. Molly Parker? No, she had a continuous role, bro. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, sorry, uh, I made the cameos. Yeah, yeah. my bad. Uh, yeah, uh, we'll still go. We'll still give it to Rachel uh, Brosnahan because we still didn't know too much about her damn character's background, and it's essentially she was a three season cameo, you know. So, bad uh, yeah. pops are. Yeah, we need Der- we need a uh, Derek Steve and, and a show where where the press secretaries also for other. Uh, yeah. Cabinet members. <laughs> they have like a big cast, but not really. It's a weird, it's a weird thing. We keep yeah, seeing. They have like a bunch of, like... yeah, they have a bunch, bunch of random people that come in at different points and take over and then like disappear. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Like, like Greg Kinnear and Diane Lane could have been a part of the cabinet. You know, like I'm uh, surprised that they didn't give Diane Lane like a bigger role, just because I feel like she was one of the bigger names on that cast. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, she did have a, like, season six. Her role was pretty big in season six, right? Like, she's helping. They're there to sort of direct policy, and they're uh, weird pseudo. Are they supposed to be, like, the Koch brothers or what? Or the Koch siblings? Maybe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Or, yeah, like, uh, the Trump siblings. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's a good one. Uh, okay, Jared so. Kushner and Ivanka. Uh, <laughs> Stone, all right, Stone Cold appearance. All right, this one. I went with Gerald McRaney for season two. He fucking killed yeah, it. Yeah, he, he played was, Raymond Tosh, just fucking yeah. comes in he like, oh, man. This was the best. Uh, I Look, when that season, funny, I, I was too, huh? The funny thing about him, though, is, like, he plays very similar types of characters. Yeah, Like, I don't know if guy. you guys saw him in Deadwood. Yeah. He's, he's a character actor. Character. Yeah. What's that? Yeah. He's like a character actor, yeah. Yeah, he, yeah, he was the same in focus also. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, 
I I just thought he like absolutely killed. He comes in right, and he's you know billionaire or whatever, and then like the whole interplay. It's like nine episodes of the. I think the nine episodes that is essentially him and Frank just fucking back and forth, right, trying to outwit each other and outdo each other and fucking outmaneuver each other. I was like, I don't think I've ever seen a better sort of story arc on so television good. in terms of streaming television. And like, admittedly, this is 2014, so it's still new, but I think that. Up until, I want to say up until Ozark's uh, most recent mm. season, I'd say I don't think that there's been a better, uh, there hasn't been a better arc uh, within a streaming service than what we were seeing in that season two. And then, like, if you look at the the seasons that succeed that, they weren't that bad, but I really think that McGraney just fucking set, like, that has set the bar, like, higher, right? You're, like, forgot all about, like, you know that, obviously, Trump's trying to get rid of Walker, right? And then once... Rain, McRainy's on his side, right? It's like it like loses steam, you know. And then season three, you're like, all right, I want to see what happens. But like that was just like you really thought that all right, Frank's not going to become president, you know? Right. Yeah, I think season two, like the feud between them, was really the breaking point for like what capabilities the show had. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think the feud between them was very, very similar to like I don't know. I'll throw this like in a wrestling metaphor. I say like a Jericho, Kurt Angle type of feud. You know, where <laughs> both of them have the skills on the mic to and the wit to basically counter each other in a way where you know you can be a fan of either one but still respect the other. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good one. Yeah, it was legit. It was uh, yeah. And like they, I think that they sold off the. Uh, I think it, McRaney's per, like the actor McRaney, um, his personal aspects of it obviously like fit the character, right? But being, uh, you know, McRaney being an NRA member, like McCain supporter and stuff like that, uh, then being this billionaire who's like in the way of a uh, little Southern, uh, you know, the Southern liberal and everything, it's perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Also, like his connections to China and everything else. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it 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 was written in a way where it was very, very, very believable and very reminiscent of you know people that we have in play in current mm-hmm. politics now. You know, right? Someone yeah, I was going to say, I, but it's still influencing. Yeah, I felt like it was sort of the uh, president versus business leaders, which is which is kind of a, I think a, a a lot more realistic um, in terms of who his adversaries are than like you know Senate. And, congressional people you know mm-hmm. it's uh yeah i thought i thought i thought that was also really really fantastic one thing i wanted to call out and i think this is what uh i don't know if a lot of people got the symbolism and if i uh mentioned this on the first segment we apologize and let's cut it but uh what i thought was great because you pointed it out i think uh kevin spacey it was to- he totally met his mash there right like frank underwood yeah and i like However many, so like every time he went to Freddy's and had his mm-hmm. ribs, it was like he was eating his kill, right? Like that was the symbolism. He'd always yeah. defeated an opponent mm-hmm. good, and then and one. then went there. That was that was the whole, that was the whole thing. And yeah. like I think he had good like point. a six week non Freddy's, <laughs> like yeah. with with him because it was it was with Tusk because it was just such a long battle. Like it was it. Season two was, yeah, I think my absolute favorite season. And probably Yo, while you mention Freddy's, though, can I give a quick shout-out to Reg? Reg oh, so good. Because yeah. I think that his character of Freddy um, really kind of just played that role of, like, the friendship 
the beneficial friendship, I guess, where one party benefits more from the other and takes advantage of that person. And I think him mm. as the victim, uh, he still really showed his true colors when he came around and really refused to um, give Hammersmith that story and basically beat his ass in the alley. <laughs> right. I think well, that was probably one of my favorite scenes because he's like, I'm not a snitch, and then throws a recorder down and steps on it. And I was like, yes. Yeah. Well, I think it was interesting, too, because the, I think you saw the dynamic flip. Like, Frank really just truly had, like, an equal friendship with them for a long time until Frank right. finally elevated above it, and then he looked at him as sort of someone below him who, who should, like, worship him or whatever, right? Yeah. I'm going to push back on that a tad bit. Yeah? Right. I think that's fair. Um. Yeah, I do think it's fair. I, I, in my opinion, if you like sort of digging deeper into sort of their breaking point, right? Um, it's essentially okay. he helps uh, he helps Freddy's become popular, and then right. the legal when he is the interview. Yeah, right. Yeah, and then they're trying to talk about the franchise, and then the obviously the uh, assault the, the the assault has happened, uh, assault happens, and everything like that, right? When Frank goes the son as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Okay. Um. So yeah, that's what. Sorry, that's what I meant. Um, where he was, son's overreacting and all, uh, or what? However you want to call it, whether he's overreacting or not. But um, essentially, and they're talking about some. Hey, you know, we have a legal contract. Frank, when Frank's talking to him, he's uh, he's asking him. He goes, "Well, I don't understand." Like he seemed to be empathizing, right, on why he's, uh, like why, uh, Freddie's being screwed over, right? And he's like, "Oh, look, blah blah blah. You know, why can't you just do this or whatever? Just because what your son did. You know, that makes no sense to me." And then he's talking about some. Oh, you know. They have a clause in there and blah, blah, blah. And then when he's sort of hearing, uh, he's hearing from Freddie or whatever, his outlook on it. And Frank's sitting, then that's when Frank sort of makes a turn on, okay, well, I can't, like, this is bad for, this is a bad look for me. And that's, that's why right. I'm going to, I think, I really do think that, uh, that like, sort of, it wasn't until the end of that conversation that uh, Frank turned. Cause like, I know that we, the way that a lot of people internalize it and see this is, hey, um, this was a beneficial friendship. Um, I think that Frank uh, obviously doesn't know what it's like to have a friend and considered Frank to be the only friend that he had. and Or, sorry, sorry, th- thought Freddie was the only right. friend that he had. And that's why sort of when he comes back and he's working in the White House and everything, uh, he's excited to see him and then... Uh, Freddie's thing about about all they did, right? When he's like, "Hey, can you come work this dinner party and serve me ribs and everything?" Right? Um, that's when Freddie uh, sort of goes off on him, and you know, rightfully so, and all. He but probably I don't think felt that... a little bit more like a confidant because that's where like him and Remy and Tusk would meet was at Freddie's. Mm-hmm. So it was almost like Freddie was like, "Dude, I'm like consigliere here. Like, what the fuck? I'm not just cook." Yeah. I, and I think that I don't think that when they have that breakdown, right? I don't think that Frank meant it as, "Hey, uh, you're an errand boy or so." It's like, "Hey, like, look, black, you know, you you know somebody." Look, I don't, I can't tell you how many damn people. I don't like keep saying look, but I can't tell you how many people will say, "Chris, go ahead and fix me some of that bread pudding that you had." And I'm sure racial dynamics came into play within this, and power dynamics and all. But I don't think it's uncommon in the black community to say, hey, you know what, you were fucking fire at this, yo. I love if you were to come do this and fire those up for us. Now, he was, and then Frank's doing that in a situation where Freddie would be paid as well, 
which I thought was odd because it's not like, hey, just slave over this or whatever and right. then come fucking ser- like service and everything, you know, which I found odd. And I, so I think that Frank was thinking like, okay, well, this is my guy, right? And I just helped him get a job and yada, yada, uh, planting shit or whatever, right? Did he offer him another job that didn't involve plant uh, floral stuff or whatever? Um, well, I was just going to say, uh, before answering your question, I, I think that there was a lot of animosity already built up inside of him prior to that scene. Yeah. Uh, because if you recall, there was a scene, I think like a few chapters before that, where he had brought on, I believe it was his grandson, and mm-hmm. Frank pulls him to the side and tries to give him this whole speech of like, hey, you see that chair? You can sit there and become the president one day and tries to gas him up. And then as they start walking down the hallway... Um, Freddie pulls them to the side and he says, everything that that man said to you is bullshit. You're never going to be a president. You're going to be, you know, something else because this is the way that society is building you up. Mm-hmm. It's you up for these reasons. And that kind of led me to believe that there was already some ill will towards the way that he was feeling about him. He possibly accepted the job because he was in a position of need. But mm-hmm. I think that underneath all of that, there might be some feelings of resentment where he possibly can blame him for the loss of his restaurant based off of the, you know, the right. the uh, the level of publicity that he got based off of the story and everything that yeah. unraveled after that. Because essentially he lost his son. And I think that he can also yeah. blame blame the loss of his son on that publicity that he received and the extent of that negative publicity being on who his son was and who he was tied to based off of the publicity that he was receiving to begin with. Totally. And, I, I, yeah, I, I think you're right. And I think part of it is Freddie realized that Frank was just a terrible human being. And and so when Frank is like, you could be there, he's almost saying, like, no, dude, you're a good person. You're never going to be there. <laughs> like, yeah. like, because you're not, you're not, you're not a, a, a complete scumbag who will, who will treat him. But like, and that, that's kind of, I think that's part of the animosity, though. Like, I don't know that he, well, like I, he ever like thought I'm, Frank looked at him like a person. But I think the interesting thing is, I think he was one of the only people, like Chris said, that Frank really did have a maybe, maybe kind of a genuine connection with. I agree, but I think there's also a little bit of a, uh, of a racial undertone behind that. Um, hmm. And, and this could also be the storyline being written, you know, like pre-Obama. I mean, Frank is but, a Southern Democrat, and, you know. Uh, right. Well, <laughs> this story came out. This story, yeah, this show came out. I mean, it went right. into produ- it went all to production writing, like after it, Obama, right? Post Obama, uh, yeah. but I'm saying like the storyline behind it, because we see some comparisons to certain policies in politics and politics and storylines in politics that are present that we can compare, but mm-hmm. no references are made to a prior president that's black so that that's what i'm saying like mm-hmm. i don't think they're taking that into context and so then i think there's a racial connotation with freddie pulling him to the side and saying hey okay this yeah. guy's feeding you bullshit you know our place is going to be in a different position because of who we are and the opportunities mm-hmm. that we're given and the way that people perceive us hence the position that he holds um as a landscaper at the house as opposed yeah. to now, you know, it, 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 it's kind of like, you know, working at the at the big house for the, the landlord, you know, kind of like, um, I mean, I don't want to make that comparison, but. Oh, I think he felt that way, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. He, he felt a little tokenized, probably, by Frank. But I'm not sure if it, I don't know, I, like, I always got, I always had mixed feelings about it. Um, I don't know, maybe because I'm white. But, like, I, I do think, like, 
obviously some of it was there, and I think they were playing it up for sure. But I but I got the sense that like it kind of went both ways, uh, in, in, within the acting and the writing. Um, I'm not saying oh, one was did. better than the other. Yeah, like you know, I I, I think he was being genuine with 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 how he could be there, but. I don't know. It was, uh, again, I think part of why season two was just so far and away better than really anything else. And, and, and season three, spelling into season three, and then I, and I found the cast out. Okay, I agree. Anyway, um, not to dig into this whole other storyline, uh, we'll go All right, to um, the topic. <laughs> so, did, any, did anyone else have anything for uh, Stone Cold Appearances? Um, yeah, I had uh, Corey Stoll as Peter Russo ah, for the one nice. season that he was in there. Yeah. I thought that he played that character well uh, as a person that's battling addiction with everything from drugs to alcohol to hookers. Um, you could really see, like, the pain in his eyes. And he was about, he was about that life. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, fucking Ted Kennedy's like, oh fuck. He goes, all right. He goes. Now they're praising people for doing this. Yeah. <laughs> I think he he made it very realistic and very relatable to where I didn't really see him. I didn't see him as like a a villainous character, but I I definitely felt I definitely felt sorry for him, you know. And I, yeah. I, honestly, when they killed him, that mm-hmm. I felt that, you know, because I thought that that was a very powerful scene. You cried. The way, the way that they actually you cried. You know, I, I went and cried in the, the car. car. I, I went and cried in the car. Yeah. No. You went, uh, to the, you went to the car that Russo was in and then cried. <laughs> like, right. They're like, right, they let the exhaust fumes out. I'll cry now. <laughs> I cried in the car in the garage. Yeah. Oh. Um, no, I think the way that they exploited him and took advantage of his, of his addictions, um, it, it really just kind of... It went a little deeper, right? Because I feel like in our society today, we get a lot of individuals that do have battles that they're fighting against addiction, whether it's drugs, alcohol, um, or gambling, you know, things of that sort. It's not like you were just sniffing right there, sniffling right there, not sniffing, sorry, (laughs) sniffling, sniffling. You crying right now? It's my allergies, bro. Yeah. (laughs) I promise it ain't the Roni. It's, uh, it's, It's the lesson we learned from the Green Mile. They kill you what they love. (laughs) <laughs> all right so yeah i look i i like russo um they kind of like why are there, like there's like one italian on the show and he has to die you know mm. what's his name what? uh the italians don't do well in politics anymore in the US. pelosi <laughs> uh yeah i guess she kind of counts Okay. I mean, she's been in the game for a long time right I mean, she's right, very right. italian like yeah yeah fun fun day, <laughs> uh, uh, all right, so Elizabeth got... Warren is she Italian? Was that something that wasn't covered from her DNA test? <laughs> yeah, I don't think she's Italian. One thirty second. One thirty second. Yeah, that was that was. Uh, this probably yeah, nope. doesn't count, but I had uh, Lars Mikkelsen nope. as Petrov. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah, I, I, I mean, he was uh, there for seven, a eight, minute, but yeah. Yeah, but I, I like that. I just kind of like him, all right? He just brought the heat, you know? Oh, dude, I love those scenes. Uh, you know, they go back in the little, like, what is that? Like, the area, it's basically the, the area where, like, they they take them down the back stairs toward, like, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, 
you know, they're in that stairwell having their little chats, smoking their cigarettes. Yeah. Uh, well, Frank's smoking. Is that where, uh, is that where uh, Frank's like, oh, he goes, hmm. He goes, if the, if the, if the security wasn't here, I'd hit him or kill him or something like that. Right, yeah. Like, that's supposed to, I think that was hitting on one of the, like, secret entrances to the White House. Like, that's where uh, uh, yeah. Marilyn Monroe would, like, sneak in or in out, mm-hmm. like, for JFK and stuff like that. You know, it's kind of one of those, okay. like, funny things that so, they're trying to play off about the White House. I have a serious question. Who would have won in a fist fight, Petrov or Underwood? Petrov killed a man. Petrov, Petrov would have beat his ass. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, th- here's my issue with the show. When they had that, when he did the vo- when he did the breaking of the third wall, and he's talking about how he'd kill him for, like, kissing Claire in front of him. Yeah. The whole time, I'm like, we watched you get punched by a guy and then ask the guy to suck your dick um, <laughs> as a power move because you couldn't. You no man that's able to fight another man uh, would not at least take a lick back at the person, uh, punching punching lick back at the person. And I'm like, Petrov, this guy is like a fucking six foot. First of all, uh, Kevin Spacey, you're a short, fat southerner, right? And Petrov is just all fucking man, yeah, just like country, completely. Yeah, but Spacey's country strong, maybe. You know? No, 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 no. He's not that kind of country. Like he he's not Dusty Rhodes or anything like that. No. <laughs> He's not Bo Jackson. He is like, <laughs> he, he, he's like, a, he's like, a, he's effete. E f f e t e. All right, effete. All right. Okay. He's like, a, he's he's sort of trying to be like, a, you know, Calvin Candy, right? Like, you want to seem like you're you have some French prestige to your southernness or so. Okay. Um, he's like him, but not as tough or intimidating, right? He's just there. He's short, black, dark eyes, and soft. You know. Yeah. Like Meacham Meacham was a pussy too. Like I'm sorry. Like yeah, for being, like, for Petrov, being like yeah. his head of Secret Service, he was a punk. Yeah. So, I feel like, if like Petrov... White Rubia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yo, but like for real, like Petrov in that scene where he talks about how he killed the guy. Yeah. She was kinda chilling, man. Like Frank was scared. That, yeah, Frank yeah, you can see the fear in his eyes because he just talked about it so like effortlessly. Yeah. He's yeah. like, yeah, the guy shot me, and I went down, then he went in, then I got my knife, and then I slit his throat. Like, just the way that he's telling the stories, like, step by step, is just so nonchalant. Yeah. That you just I got almost, like, envy out of, out of Underwood in there. Well, yeah. Like, he's yeah. like, all I did was kill this chick. <laughs> yeah, I pushed a, yeah, push a chick in front of a train out, and tra- I can't even yeah, tell you. Yeah, with a train, like, I didn't even really kill her, like... <laughs> Yeah. But I, I think that's why that scene was so powerful, because the right. discussion that they were having was regarding, like, battle, right? So it's like, oh, you're a veteran, you've been in battle, you've been in war, what have you done? And and Underwood's kind of like, oh, well, I've, I'm not a vet, like, I haven't done any of that. And obviously, like, the untold story of it is that Underwood has killed someone as well, but like you said, both were very different. One is a battle of conflict. And the other With an equal battle. opponent, right? And yeah, one is, the other is like, I I pushed a girl someone. from behind, a five foot one girl. Yeah. From behind. you wouldn't have done that to Serena right. Williams. An unsuspecting, <laughs> an unsuspecting victim, because I don't even think she saw it coming either. No, no she, she didn't. She was five one. Yeah, and like made about a buck, not a buck. No, she weighed like seventy five pounds. Who's say maybe ninety eight, something like that? Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. So yeah, I can see like unless you know, every he, Democrat... he, he does a rowing machine for his workouts for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I'm okay if you're doing a rowing machine like to work out or like part of a class that's like five minutes of it. 
Yeah. Can I just say something? But he's not lifting weights, like. Yeah. What's what's going down, Mike? No, I was just gonna say you guys saw Knives Out, right? No, I haven't seen no, it yet. No, I haven't either. Oh. I got a baby, dude. I haven't uh, been able to go to the movies in two years. Damn. So if y'all watch it, like, I saw the movie. Daniel Craig did a really good job, but he speaks in this southern accent. And his tone of voice just reminded me of Underwood. Like, I almost felt like they had the same voice coach. Oh, he did that? Uh, No, he's been in another movie uh, doing that. That movie with, uh, ah, shit. It's it's like he's a prisoner and they rob, uh, it's not the Talladega race. It's the race in uh, South Carolina, the NASCAR race. Um, and it's a movie, it's a fantastic movie, actually. Logan, Logan, Logan Lucky. Oh, yeah, alright. You guys know this movie? Yeah, I've heard of it. Okay, so Daniel Craig plays, like, a southerner in that, too. And so, Mike, I haven't Mm -hmm. seen Knives Out. I think he's, like, good at a southern accent or something. Or maybe he, maybe he had the same, you're right, like, the same voice coach thing. Because Kevin, because you're right, Kevin Spacey doesn't have a southern accent, right? Right. Yeah, Kevin Spacey's from L.A., so... Yeah, I mean, Daniel, Daniel Craig is, is obviously a fantastic actor, and I've seen him do different accents as well. Like, he... When he was in Road to Perdition, he also had, like... Oh, a, right. And... Yeah, like Chicago. Like, yeah, like a Northeastern yeah. Irish accent, kind of. <clears throat> so, yeah, you're right. Um, but, I don't know. If you guys check it out, I guess we'll see if you guys can draw the comparison. Or any Layer Cake, there, also but, fantastic. Anyone out there that may or may not agree with me, uh, feel free to hit the Twitter feed. Call me out. Really? He's telling your Twitter damn handle? Like, <laughs> don't be ballsy and then like, oh, oh, I don't know. Yeah, what, what's the Twitter handle so they'll know? Uh, tweet the podcast, man, at Benches Assemble. Man, this way. <laughs> no, look, Mike's talking. All right, yeah. Uh, anyways, so moving on. Uh, uh, okay, best episode. Um, I'm gonna let someone else. Uh, I'll let someone else start, and then I'll get to mine. Just cause I want to be a hole. <laughs> when Zoe is um, killed, chapter fourteen. Damn. Oh wow! Damn. Okay. What? What? You didn't like her character? You just liked that episode? Uh, no, I, th- I, th- I think I liked the episode. I was actually shocked. Yeah. Like shocked. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't also. Did, he didn't give the voiceover until, or he didn't break the third wall until exactly. the end of that, right? Yeah. Uh, I thought the entire thing, it, the whole episode, was just thrilling up into that moment you're kind of like what's going on what's he doing and then it's just like whoa fuck <laughs> like, yeah because it happened so fast he just killed her it was insane and then they had the video footage and it was like oh she jumped in front of it like how's this dude hiding behind this thing? like it was yeah i was like oh that that was just it was just shocking and i think that was when i because i think everything after that just started like it was so good after that for, mm-hmm. like, two more seasons. Oh, that's a good point. Mikey, yeah, what do you got, I would son? Agree. Well, no, I was going to say I would agree with Bauer because I think that was a point where we we saw that Underwood would stop at no cost to cover his tracks and also get what he wants. Because it was almost like... Back Russo was the moment. He killed Russo, and then he... <laughs> Poor well, Russo. Russo was a moment where you, we kind of saw what type of person he was, you know, like almost like a sociopathic type mm-hmm. of individual. But to kill someone yeah. almost like simultaneous, like you kill one person and then like almost right after you kill another one, it's like, oh shit, like no, like 
you're a sociopathic serial killer. Yeah. I think that, I mean, that that episode... It's a different perception of the type of person. Gotcha. Go ahead. I think that uh, that episode reminded me of the first episode of The Shield, um, because you thought that, okay, I can't wait for season two, like, it's going to be this fucking cat and mouse of, uh, can they figure out what happened to Russo and implement, uh, sorry, implicate, rather, uh, Frank Underwood in, and then she just fucking dies, just like at the very end of the first episode of The Shield, so, Mm. uh, I appreciated that. I went with, uh, chapter 26, it's the season finale of season two. It's great. Essentially, well, you know, Walker, he's fucking like, he's on his last leg. Let's keep it 100, right? He's just <laughs> fucking in up, just trashy, just fucking typical Democrat, right? And he asked, uh, he's like, asked Tuck, hey, could you implicate for, uh, Frank in this money laundering scheme and I'll give you a pardon? And then Frank, like, promises to essentially go, like, hey, you know, I'll do the same thing for you, right? And we'll help restore the trade relations with China, right? And then it's like, it's just like a back and forth, right? And then, what do you call it? Um, essentially, you know, Walker's approval rate is just fucking in the tanks, right? He's just like, oh, fuck, he's like Bush fucking circa, like, uh, 2007, right? Just like, oh, I, feel, I don't know what's going to happen, right? And then, um, Frank, like, I think Frank runs in that little weak-ass, uh, that little weak-ass letter that, like, Walker falls for and everything, and then he just resigns. Like, it's just so stupid. Like, that part's stupid or so, but... As Frank is, like, legit, like, close to fucking, uh, he's close to being screwed over. If Walker just has, I don't know, maybe if he just has, like, a dad in his life or, like, an older brother that taught him how to be a man or something like that, he could have fucking, like, uh, sacked, he could have sacked uh, Underwood. So I thought that was interesting. It was, and like, like sentiment towards the party, right? It was like, we have a chance to keep the party intact. Well, he, like, believed the guy's note, though. I know. And it's like... It, it, it's, yeah, it's just like, yeah, he's like, oh, can you go whip some votes for me, right? And I'm like, Walker, the guy, like, what, what's uh, Mike's favorite character's name? Uh, Vasquez or whatever, right? She's like, tells him that he can't be trusted, and then Walker, just dumb, right? And I just, that episode, I was like, all right, maybe Walker's finally gonna, like, get some balls, and, like, maybe they'll get a clue, and then it doesn't happen. Episode was great. Other episode I put, I put was, uh, chapter 52, I believe, in season four, and that's when Hammerschmidt and has a, uh, he finally meets, uh, President Underwood, and they have a great exchange of back and forth. Mm. I just thought it was money. Was uh, next, yeah, just, like, the whole episode, I was like, alright, these fuckers, like, I was like, the show's finally back to form, right? We get a little bit, like, it's more dialogue heavy, right? I was like, alright, I think Aaron Sorkin could have, like, fucking had his hands on this, you know? Yeah. Um, then they go and, like, squander it and shit like that. I was that. gonna say, but, that was like a West Wings-esque type yeah. of back and forth. Yeah, and that's also, I think that's also the, uh, like, that's where, what do you call it, uh, that's when, like, Underwood, they're releasing that family as well in that episode, too, so. Right. Uh, yeah, it's just, just, just amazing, so. Yeah, I would agree, because I, I think that brought back, like, that psychology of Underwood as, like, this villainous person who's conniving, and he's always two steps ahead, like, going against the wishes of Stamper and him saying, like, no, it's a bad idea, don't do it, and he's like, no. I want to meet this individual who's coming for me and, and meet him face-to-face so that he knows who he's fucking with. Yeah. that I I don't know. I just felt like that was a boss move. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with Chapter 32. Yeah. Uh, that's the episode where Frank and Claire travel to Moscow mm. to meet with Petrov and then talk about the Jordan Valley and also the release of the uh, U.S. prisoner, Michael Corrigan. He was the 
Gay rights protester? The gay, gay rights protester. That, the one uh, that Chris Hill said that is Scott is Scott's character. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Chris Hill. Um, the reason why I chose this episode. So I mean, there are a lot that of sounds like me. I'd be I'd be arrested for protesting for, for gay rights. <laughs> well, I think that he said that the I think he said that the like the not willing to listen to anything and then just like dying. <laughs> that also I think, sounds yeah, like I, me. Very I just wish, yeah. I just wish he was here. He probably doesn't even remember. He probably doesn't even remember saying that. But it was fucking classic when I heard it. <laughs> go ahead. Sorry. Uh, go ahead, uh, Mike. Uh, no, what I was gonna say is that, um, for one, it was very reminiscent of like real events, right? So we did have, you know, the the situation where there were protesters in Russia that were advocating for. LGBT rights and they were mm-hmm. incarcerated and they never really gave clarification as to what the punishment was for them. Um, and there's mm-hmm. also been, um, but in that episode there was Pussy Riot. Pussy Riot, exactly. The rock band that really triggered it all. Um, but no, in, in that episode there were conversations that were had prior to them arriving there. So there's that scene with uh, Yates and Underwood as they're in the airplane and Yates is, you know, working on his book and interviewing and trying to get these stories. And Underwood talks about how one of his first jobs was to pack weed for mm-hmm. a man that everyone knew as Uncle Henry. And he's quoted as saying, like, how else was I going to pay for all my books? So it almost kind of leads you to think, like, okay, what else were you doing besides packaging weed? Because I almost feel like there might have been a bigger interest there. Um, Mm -hmm. And that just talks more about, like, the type of character and the type of person that Underwood was. But the end of that episode, so we see kind of, like, that battle between Petrov and Underwood as they're trying to negotiate as to what they're going to do with the prisoner and what to do with about the Jordan Valley. And they come to this agreement, and obviously we have Claire over here also negotiating with Corrigan to try Mm -hmm. to get him out, and Corrigan refuses. And the dialogue between them, I think, is what was really powerful uh, just because of the way that he talks about the movement and about his relationship with his partner and, you know, basically saying, like, I'm willing to die for my cause. And mm-hmm. I think that's that's a powerful statement because I feel like going back to the conversation that I had with Bauer earlier regarding protests, I feel like we have this right to protest, right? But are you willing to die for your cause? And I think that's the difference between people who protest and people who are ready, ready to, like, ride or die because – you get those people that are going to stand out there and complain about something that they may not feel is right, but for someone to be willing to now stand up and say, like, I will die for this cause, that takes it to another level because you really are 100% for it. And I think there's a level of respect to be had with those people, and I think that's the reason why Claire, now listening to his argument with her as to why he would not leave, and then somewhat agreeing to leave with her, and then going on to commit suicide and prove the fact that he was willing to die for that cause, also hit her based off the outbreak that she had on the podium later as they were basically announcing the agreement that they had. And that kind of leads to the conflict between her and Frank because he kind of sees it as her disobeying the agreement that they had already had in place for her basically just to big up Petrov on negotiating, working with him and being this man and her speaking out and saying like, no, like this man stood for something he believed in. He's a hero. And she kind of threw some shade at Petrov at the same time. Yep. She's lucky Petrov didn't kill her. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in a real world, that possibly would have happened. But I think that also showed 
her character, right? Because yeah, we see her kind of like as a straight face, like also uh, a woman. One, one of the few times of she actually like is spoke like her mind. Yeah, it is likable. Yeah. <laughs> One of the few yeah. times that she spoke her mind, and I think one of the few times that she she actually showed emotion. I think mm-hmm. the two most powerful moments that I would say for her character showing emotion would be that scene and the scene where her mother passes away. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I All think right. that says a lot about her as an actress as well. Yes. Yeah. Because that scene where her mother passed away, that, that was a very powerful scene as well where you could feel that emotion and that distress um, behind that decision that she made to basically inject... Uh, the morphine into her system to expedite her death so that she could go and uh, announce her candidacy for the vice president role. And so I I think there's a lot behind the emotion that's there, you know, as a character to get into that, to really portray that then on, on in front of the camera and you as a viewer to capture it and absorb it and say like, damn. Well, I think the interesting thing is Frank often, like, he he gets upset with her in those moments, not just because, like, for the Petrov thing, I think he also looks at it as weakness. Like, that she's willing to actually be emotional about it. Um, and that's kind of what's so interesting about them as a couple, which I know we talk about, but it's, uh, oof, it's like chilling. No, I think you're right, though, because there's that conversation they had on the plane, and he calls her out about her emotions and showing weakness. Right. And I think that's where you see the difference between both, because both are very ambitious, and they are both they both have very similar goals, right? They want to be at the top, and they want to be this person who is has this power, but his is more of like a power dynamic that's more sociopathic, where he shows no remorse, no emotion. Yeah. And then she, now as a figure that has the same ambitions but does show those emotions that kind of shows you the different decisions that she makes as well yeah yeah it's like a little it's like a little low-key sexist too but like in some ways also not i don't know it's interesting i think they do it well yeah i don't know um so i okay i was gonna say i didn't mean to get into like this whole (laughs) uh rant, I guess, about emotions no, and characters, but... That was great. Worst episode. Uh, Alright. Yeah, I just went, um... So, okay, the series finale was garbage. Just, I, I, I think that's a category on, on its own, actually. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say the series finale or the final season. <laughs> Dude, I'll be straight up. So the whole final season that, sucks. Yeah. That whole the whole final season sad. sucks. And the series finale is weak. Uh, essentially... But let me ask you guys this. Do you guys feel that the series was, or that entire season was trash because of the, I guess, curveball that they were throwing with, like, the issues with Spacey and, you know, the sexual uh, harassment accusations that he had? Because the way that they killed him off was very vague. Off-screen, off-screen. Off-screen, off-screen. You don't learn about it till later. Way later. Way later. Because the season ends with... Way the later. Like, it, yeah. I, it's I almost like the they just, they... like, had recorded already, like, half of the season, and then they were like, fuck, we have to announce this. Let's just delete all the seasons he's in and somehow make it try to work. 
Like, yeah, I, I I feel like they like, hey, uh, what's that movie? Uh, in, in that season, what's that? What's that movie that they refilmed with Mark Wahlberg and they put Christopher Plummer to, to play him? <laughs> uh, all the money in the world or whatever. I think they're like, oh, well, they got some Oscars. <laughs> Let's just do that too. Cause they moved that shit back, right? <laughs> they're probably like, oh, this can work. Yeah, no, Dan. I think I think you're right. I think they probably had already been filming a good chunk of it. They should have just had light skinned Kevin Spacey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh just yeah i just bad um in every matter i the series finale for those who if you guys do watch it like go get a psychic workup like afterwards because like we're telling you not to watch it but doug's supposed to assassinate claire somehow he believes that he's only going to serve 10 years for doing it uh due to mental distress and then it backfires on him he but sucks. remember he was already serving up that argument because mm-hmm. they were going to have him admit to the other murders as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I, I think the storyline had potential because there was already a bit of a build up there. I think they just didn't deliver it with the way that they wrote it. And I Mike, you're a nice guy. It's <laughs> <laughs> <This is> bad. <laughs> no, continue, Mike. Sorry. Like that, I'm saying that's just my criticism. Yeah. And that's more towards the writers. I think that they really dropped the ball on that. They they had something there that they could have taken because it wasn't like the season just took a complete 180. They were already going in a direction, and they could have just written in that direction and say, said, okay, like, we lost our main character based off of these, you know, these allegations, but we can still salvage it. And either they try to rush it. Yeah, I was just saying they should have taken, like, it. another year, man. They should have Game of Thrones did. I mean, even though they still messed it up, too, but, like... Yeah, I was going to say, that's a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually one yeah. of the few people who I think liked the last season. Of Game of Thrones, nah, fuck that last season. Uh, I think yeah. the writers also dropped the ball on that one, but that's just my opinion. Yeah, I just, like, yeah, I just like that they... Like, my issue here is also they rehashed the ICO, the, uh, or ISO, whatever we're calling it, storyline, and, like, they faked the terrorists again. And I'm like, okay, we've seen this before, right? I'm like, gee. So like, speaking of that. Fucking two years ago. Exactly. Right? And then she stabs him in the gut. Like, my thing is like this. This dude, Doug Stamper, is supposed to be like a killing, like he really knows he's supposed to be great at killing women, apparently. Um, and he gets, he, he's like, wounds her with the fucking, I think he like cuts her barely with a letter opener. And then that doesn't affect her. And she grabs it from him. And then he gets stabbed in the stomach. And I'm like, dude, you're a pussy. Like, she's... Yeah, I'm She's sorry. Strong, She's man. awful. No, no, we see nothing about that that would indicate that. <laughs> like uh, yeah, she poisoned what's his name, right? She, it wasn't even like a physical death. She, she was what's also up? a killer. She was also a killer. So was Doug Stamper, though. Right. No, 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 I know, but he, she used poison the first time. It wasn't like she, like, well, he was, like, half dead, and then she, she strangled him or whatever, right? Yeah, like, you know, he's, like, ki- he's, like, uh, killed, yeah. killed, killed, like, What's up? No, I think she just straight up poisoned him. I don't think she's strangled him. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, come on. Which was like right. a weird scene because it's like, y'all are fucking, she's writing him, and then all of a sudden he starts talking about like weird shit. Like he's almost like mm-hmm. hallucinating, and then you're like, oh, wait, he's dying. Oh, wait, what happened? Oh, he must have been poisoned. Like, I, I think that was also a scene that they probably could have written off a little bit better. Yeah. And uh, that's yeah. my other gripe against some of these murders is that some of them I felt were rushed. Yeah, it's bad. 
like the so you guys are you hard. guys are even night like I just dismiss season six altogether. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, it's awful. Just, I would even dismiss part of season five. Yes. So that's what I was gonna say. Uh, basically, the whole thing went downhill on the episode where Frank cancels the Tennessee and Ohio elections with the ICO terrorist plot. On the day, yeah. like on the afternoon of the elections, yeah, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, dude, both of our even. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, because yeah. he called the one person in South Carolina that he knew at the voting. I'm like, it's, it's so stupid. Like it was, yeah. Oh, so bad. That whole season was bad, except for Dominique McGillicott. I mean, they could have made that a little. <laughs> <laughs> They could have made that a little more realistic. Like, I, I, I see where they got the idea, right? It could so made the whole show a little bit more realistic. <laughs> yeah. I'm saying, like, that situation, though, like, that scenario yeah. is, like, reminiscent of 2004 in Florida. Yes. Um, not to open up uh, Pandora's box to Scott Bauer's conspiracy. No, Frankie even uh, said it. <laughs> Don't you think I didn't learn anything about Al Gore? Right. <laughs> and I like how they gave that shout-out. They do. It's kind of like, hey, we know, we know something. So tasty, bro. Or no, that was actually over Carrie, not Gore. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, oh four, yeah, oh four would been Carrie, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, yeah, you're right, you're right. This was two thousand. You're right. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, uh, well okay. So I where I was going with that. All right. So best season, I went with season two. Best hands down. Uh, you know, pretty high body count. Uh, great dialogue. Great. Conflict. Yeah, I, I agree with season one. I liked also. Well, I said season no, two. No, no, no. I know. Sorry. Oh, I no, no, no. <laughs> but really I, something I didn't say. But I also like season one. I I love. Yeah. I love non-president Spacey. Like I loved. Quip, yeah. Quip Spacey. I like cool Quip Spacey. Um, I thought. I think we talked about this before, but that was really. That was really what he was good at. That was his, that was his calling, and then he just True. sort of his ego took over and evil ensued. Mike, yeah, I agree. Um, with I him chose, or me, I agree with both of you. Actually, I, oh, okay, I, I chose season one, and I think it's just because I like where that storyline started with basically Frank being on a mission for vengeance towards the Democrats because he felt like they had crossed him and overlooked him. So him being promised a position and then being caught off guard and that position being given to someone else after you had done something in favor of of someone else to get a position where Mm -hmm. you felt like you were now going to get that favor return. I think that's that's a very realistic scenario that a lot of people can relate to, right? So I, I feel like everyone that has been in a position like that before, either they, I mean, I'm not going to say that they chose to take the path that he did, right? Because that's, that's mm-hmm. a little extreme, but everyone has either thought about getting back at the people that did them wrong or have in fact led to uh, some sort of vengeance, vengeful act. Um, and I think that's why a lot of people were able to relate to him. I don't want to say that he was likable in that season, but you know, you, kind of rooted for him because you wanted to see what the outcome was going to be of, of his whole plot and I think that's why they did a really good job with season one to build that up and then season two kind of followed up and carried over with that because you see as his plot is starting to unravel he starts taking people down and the dominoes start to fall and he starts to move up and I think that's why a lot of people felt that this show has so much potential 
And I think that's where the writers dropped the ball and kind of fell off because it's almost like he gets to the top and then from there there's nothing really that happens. It's like you go three seasons of him just trying to get reelected. It's like, come on. Like we really yeah. don't need that much time to focus on this one situation. Yeah. Also, Mike, dominoes don't fall here. House of Cards fall, baby. <laughs> uh, okay, so continuity issues. Good metaphor, good metaphor. Continuity issues. Um, hey, there's a lot. <laughs> so I'll let you guys go. I'm going to say that my biggest issue, continuity issue with this, Frank's sexuality. Oh, you're a homophobe. <laughs> I'm not a homophobe at all. <laughs> don't you dare. Um, no, I consider myself to be an ally. Real talk. But, um... Of no, homophobes? Like, no, 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 no. Just kidding. No. <laughs> of straight people. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> See, Mike, Mike, you should have worded it better. <laughs> I'm an ally of the LGBT community. Okay. Alright. Uh, no, no, no. So, my continuity issue with that is just... We don't see where he stands, right? So season one, he's having this affair with Zoe, and he has that scene where he asks her, like, oh, have you ever been with an older man? And so he's kind of playing, like, the sugar daddy role where he's feeding her, obviously, like, the stories that she now then goes back and reports to the Herald, and she starts to Mm -hmm. build herself up as a reporter. And, you know, he's buying her stuff and, you know, taking care of her and whatnot, and so you're kind of like, all right, you know, this guy's a sleazy politician, you know, very reminiscent of the type of characters that really are, you Bill know, Clinton. Capitol Hill. Yeah. 80%. Just the name. <laughs> but then as the seasons start to unfold, we start to see now that he has this other side to him. And then we don't really see him, you know, having relations with women anymore. Because even season one, like, we still kind of see him, you know, have relations with Claire. And then I think it was season three where she tries to have sex with him and he kind of just, like, backs off. Well, wasn't it in four where, like, she has to, like, revive his heart attack by fucking, by riding him or whatever? Yeah, Yeah, but that's a different circumstance, though. Okay, all right, all right. I think you see him more, like, fantasize about hurting her, like, where he'll have these images of, like, throwing her against the glass and, like, her stabbing him, you know, like... I think it, it's it, it sort of shows how unhealthy he became. I think he started looking at sex only as power. Well, he said that from the season one, from the beginning, right. though, he didn't he? From the beginning, right? Yeah, but it's that. a different thing to think of it that way and and actually think of it that way. Like what? What I'm saying <laughs> is, what I'm saying is, like yes, all, all sex is power. All, all power is sex. Whatever, right? Like that. That that's true for sure. But what I'm saying is that like when you when you devoid yourself of the pleasure of it and you look at it only purely as power, it's probably not really mm-hmm. even enjoyable anymore. It is more like adversarial or like a violent act. I mean, it's essentially rape at that point. If you're, but, you yeah, know. that's a good point. Damn, Bauer. Look at yeah. you. Yeah, see what I'm saying? Calling Kevin Spacey a rapist. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was actually I mean, exactly kind of what I was talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. He, wouldn't be, he wouldn't be the first to say that. Right. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, uh, wait, all right, uh, Scott, uh, what did you have, Scott? Go ahead. So, uh, the, uh, I guess the big one, we kind of talked about it. Uh, I don't really know where I was going with the Tom Yates thing. That was weird. You said him impregnating Claire and then he's dying. Yeah, like, well, as he's dying, like, so he's dying, but he still comes, and then she gets pregnant. I don't know, it's weird. <laughs> 
Um, and then you don't like Hammerschmidt. <laughs> and then, yeah, the whole Hammerschmidt thing. Again, it was like they were playing off him of being what? Like, he was kind of like Glenn Greenwald. He was kind of like Julian Assange. These guys are like outcasts. Like, Assange yeah. is living in fucking an embassy in Bolivia. Uh, uh, Greenwald has to move to Brazil. And then this guy's like on the prime time. Like I said, he's like, Wolf, Wolf, like he's the guy leading the, the election coverage. Like, it's just, that was just a very odd choice. Dude, what you wrote is so much fucking funnier than what you're saying right now. <laughs> you put, alright, Grilly Greenwald of sorts. He's never worked at the Washington Post. He'd have been fired in season one. Absolutely would not be a host on election night coverage. With like multiple things capitalized randomly. <laughs> Yeah, this is so great. I was, I was angry. At <laughs> yeah, it. I no, th- I yeah, I okay, yeah. There's a lot of re- this. This Washington has a lot of people who have the ability to do ten things at once and be as completely rinkadink as possible, <laughs> and like be on a shoestring budget and accomplish a lot of great stuff. Um, so I give. I don't know if this was just Netflix was like, all right, hey Fincher, like you should have fucking negotiated your other fucking movies better or something like that, or directed more blockbusters, right? Because we don't have a lot to go with, so we can't have a bunch of. We got to fucking pay Nev Campbell and Greg Kinnear and all these other people who were popular from 1996 a lot of money, but we can't afford uh extras to have like three lines so that we could explain why the newspapers able to do shit. It's just wild. Yeah, I agree with you. Oh, one of the other ones too. When Tom Yates bangs the girl who's giving the tours of the White House, like, mm-hmm. on the podium. He bangs her at the podium. Yeah, like, <laughs> come on, dude. But I get that they're supposed to make it where he can get caught or something, but, eh. Yeah. Well, yeah, the other question scene. I had was, where was Frank getting all these photos from? Because, like, we see him pull these black and white mm. photos of, like, Yates banging the girl on the podium. Like, who is over here playing paparazzi? I think it was Stamper. either Stamper, or, yeah, Stamper or <laughs> yeah. Seth or Nev. I don't know. He's got a lot of little cronies. Yeah. yeah. Which which one's the best of their cronies? Uh, to, well, like I know people are gonna go with Stamper due to his Stamper, loyalty and everything. Bro, come on. Uh, let's go outside of him. Who's the best? Nev. Uh, secondary crony. Nev. Okay. All right. Um, so music and opening theme. I mean, not iconic. Could have been better. Fits the storyline. Um, yeah. It was bad. Yeah. Um, timeless versus time passing so when, by. When that, that, uh, no, here's how bad it is, the theme. Okay. When when Netflix first came out, depending on the device that you had that you were watching it on, right, with those TVLs. Right, because we all know that you were fucking with Netflix back when I you was. were order DVDs and right. it was six weeks. For but no, but my point is that they've upgraded it. Yeah, he was going to tell us that story again, exactly. too. No, 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 they've upgraded <laughs> it. No, this is a different one. So, like, Hulu I think, got I think it first. Listeners. I think the Amazon Fire Stick <laughs> got it even sooner. But you have the ability to skip credits. That's a relatively new feature. What, last two, three years, right? But, oh, yeah, I guess you're right. So, yeah. House of Cards came yeah, I used to, out yeah. before that. So, when I was finishing up these seasons later on for this podcast, I skipped that every fucking time. It's so bad. It's so long. The names came in. This is awful. Yeah. So, that's how bad it is. Yeah, it's just bullying. It's not memorable. It's uh, like I, don't, I didn't even take time to learn how to hum it, so I'm like, fuck. Uh, I mean, it has a political like theme to it, though. So I mean, it, it it fits the show. I just don't think it's memorable. Like it's it's nothing you're gonna listen to and be like, oh shit, yeah, let me sing along to it. Yeah, yeah. But if you hear uh, it, you'll know. I, I don't even Maybe. think that. 
Yeah, you're being generous, Mike. You're like, is this, like, you're like, is oh, this one, like, of, the, extra is nice this one of the other top shows on CBS that they have 14 of? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I legit, like, look, I was the biggest fan. This was my favorite show for a while, and I people knew me as the guy that talked House of Cards. I, to this day, um, I'm pretty sure if it came on, I'd be able to semi-guess or whatever, but if it, it, that's only if it was in the exact manner it was played during the credits. But if you did, like, one of those ringtone beats, I'd be like, I don't know what this is, right? <laughs> Or if someone hummed it, I'd be like, I don't know, or they whistled it. Elevator, like, elevator music version of it, you'd have no idea. Yeah. You'd be like, what's this, what's yeah. this music track? Yeah, it was just, it's, yeah, it's just shit. Um, uh, in terms of timeless versus time passes by, um, I went ahead and went with, uh, uh, what did I have down here? I went by season four of the show had passed by, uh, we were immune, and I said this earlier, right, that we're immune and numb to what's expected in Washington since Trump had came on the scene. Um, also, the sex scenes, bit dated. Like, mm. there, there's a lot of like, oh, you can see her butt cheek, right? And it, it's like, look, well, this time, like, like even, you know what, let's keep it 100. House of Cards came out two years before this. Sex scene's way better, right? With people who are on the upswing of their career. Wait. Yeah, let's have people who are on the... Sorry, fuck, sorry. Uh, Game of Thrones yeah. came on. Uh, another show with of in the middle um, came on two years, debuted two years before this. Sex scenes were way better. Uh, Hung, another show that debuted before this. Sex scenes were better. Well, I mean, that but, show no, is asking... sex, though. Okay, I know, yeah. <laughs> I'm not asking this show to be... Uh, what's that one HBO show that was just... Uh, what do you call it? Uh, Tell Me You Love Me? I'm not asking for it to be like this, right? But I was like, I'm not surprised. Like, Nev, like th- th- it was th- uh, uh, a piece of entertainment with Nev Campbell on it was better when she was in Wild Things, right? Okay. So just like they meant some of this stuff to be shocking, and I'm just like, yeah, it's just yeah. But uh, I think a lot of that also has to do with the audience that they're trying to basically market this to, right? Because you don't want to have something that's so explicit that's going to turn off maybe like an older, like turn off older viewers. Yeah, it was probably older yeah, viewers. They were going older viewers. Fox News crowd to get into Netflix. I don't think older <laughs> viewers were watching Netflix. That's what they <laughs> were trying to get them. Yeah, like at this, at this, this is like 2013. Um, they first of all, like my grandma, she's old. Uh, she ain't got no damn streaming devices, and she's a young old too. I I feel like this was. Like, it, the amount of people that they had on this, like, uh, in terms of, like, Kate Walsh is old, or, sorry, Kate Walsh is, or, sorry, Kate Mayer is young. Um, this, I think this is something that's geared towards younger folks. If you just look at, sort of, the unknown actors that they have in that are relatively young. Like, there's not, there's nary, outside of Kevin Spacey, there's nary, like, a 50-year-old on this. Well, like, who? Uh, well, like, what do you call it? Uh, Remy, like, what do you call it? Uh, Mahershala Ali, probably 40-ish when this comes out, looks young. Um, Jackie Sharp, like, their characters look thirty, like thirty-ish. Even, even uh, what's his name? Will, not Will. Fucking, I, don't, I was gonna call him Will Kane, but uh, Steph looks looks young. I don't. Yeah, I, I feel like this was marketed towards young folks, just in what they were trying to go for. Um, and the, like it's it's closest comparison is the West Wing. I feel like the West Wing was marketed towards older folks who would understand politics a little bit better. House of Cards is like, hey. Let's do a hooked on phonics Sesame Street version of politics <laughs> and then make, like, let's add drugs and sex and hookers in it, you know? Yeah, a little bit. I wonder how much of it was supposed to be focused on politics and how much of it was supposed to be focused around the drama yeah. that could surround it, you know? I, yeah, I and I feel like that. 
Go ahead. I, I would agree with you that I, I, I think that they maybe were trying to cater towards a younger crowd, but I think they also weren't trying to eliminate the older crowd as well. I, I yeah. think they tried I mean, to besides two of these characters, who do we want to see naked in this? <laughs> <laughs> I would agree with that as well. I just want the, se- the sex scene should have been better, right? Because, like, the, the whole theme of the day, sex is about power, and people are, like, essentially fucking each other without loving each other. Right. And it's just like, eh, you know, these are just very, very G-rated. Yeah. All the viewers are like fucking Chris is horny. Chris is gonna have cable. He's just like her. Yeah. I was about to say, bro, like Pornhub did allow the premium <laughs> subscription free during this pandemic. So, <laughs> you're like, man, Chris is like, all right, fuck, I spent seven ninety nine a month. Start making some deep fakes of uh, Claire Underwood and Frank Underwood <laughs> 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 with with, with, uh, with the dude driver. <laughs> <laughs> Meet you. Yeah. Uh, what, right, what'd you guys have uh, for timeless versus time pass it by? Um, I mean, I would say that it's timeless because I think that up to well, know, things about like things about it that were timeless versus time- yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was gonna say the storyline behind it is timeless because we all know that there's certain, I guess, like scandals that take place in mm-hmm. the White House and around Capitol Hill and in Washington. And I think that as we start to see different stories unfold, you know, in reality, you can relate a lot of things and say, like, oh, shit, like, I can see mm-hmm. this being a cover-up for something. I can see this scandal now being related towards something else. I can see this uh, whole pause of the Internet being related towards, you know, a possible cover-up for a potential election, you know. I, I don't think that people are not going to look at, for example, the 2020 election that's coming up and not think of things that were highlighted in the show, especially because of some of the realistic situations that they did relate towards the show. So the Pussy Riot example being one of them and some of the characters that they related towards real people that are political figures as well. As far mm-hmm. as the time passed it by, I would agree with you that I think that as a lot of these scandals do unravel, we are becoming immune and numb to it because I think it's just becoming the norm. I think that before people assume that if you were involved in politics, you had this squeaky clean image where you were almost like a saint. And I think that now it's being a little more accepted for individuals to have pasts. Mm-hmm. That may just be out in the open that people are willing to accept. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. I I think like when they first started it, they were kind of going like assuming Hillary would win, like everybody, probably. And then mm. when Trump won, they were like, ah, shit. It was kind of like a curveball. Right, when they, it's kind of like the curveball that. Like, uh, so you thought in 2012 they were thinking that yeah, uh, Hillary would win? Oh, uh, yeah, this show is way like I don't this, think like, they had a crystal ball. Oh, definitely. You guys are crazy. Hillary's running for president since 2002. Well, yeah, I know, but yeah, I, yeah. And that was that. No, I just like, I mean, well, in the in the same. I mean, the, the Underwoods are the Clintons, right? Like they, they're they're trying to make a sort of a royal family of of uh, sort of power. I mean, who knows in their minds? Maybe Chelsea 2036 mm-hmm. or whatever. Like. The, so, like, I think in a lot of ways that that's kind of what it was paralleling. 
but then um like there were there were some very clear you know the whole Clinton body count thing like whatever you can get into super yeah. you can talk about that later on but like some of the stuff like it totally matched like what Seth Rich just got mugged and he's the guy who like had access to her server or whatever right there's just some weird things but um yeah I think I think like by the time season 4 season 5 season 6 came around everything in real life that had already happened and had already actually been exposed, it was like, ah, oh, shit, we can't, we can't, like, we can't make up stuff worse than this. Like, this is real life, and it's way worse. Like, so yeah. just kind of, yeah, like, uh, yeah. You get the comparisons, like, you see, like, the polyhop, and you're like, oh, Cambridge Analytica. Correct. And you see uh, Aiden McAllen, and you think of... Um, Snowden. Snowden, Exactly. And yeah. so I think that's the reason why this is going to remain timeless, because no matter what, as more stories start to unfold, we're always going to relate back to things that may be compared to them. Like, if, if anything, we might see a show similar to this being made in the future. Which well, you're, well <laughs> they said that in 1991, didn't they? It's, uh, and then, boom, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> which leads me to the next category. Would it get made today? Yeah. I mean, they shouldn't make it the way that they did this one um, at all. I'd hope not. Uh, but, yeah, I think, I mean, yeah, uh, yeah, why not? I really hope I not. Do we have to watch a show about Trump? <laughs> We're watching a show about Trump. It's on, Fam. It's on the TV every day. <laughs> Fam, the man is a reality TV star. That's what I'm saying. He would probably love nothing more than to have a show in the future about him. It already is a show. That's what I'm saying. Though. I don't rule. I don't <laughs> rule that out at all. All right. Well, moving on, guys. So, uh, who should? Uh, if there was a movie, who should be in it? Um, look, I'd prefer this to be a movie than get made again. Um, I put Harry Connick Jr. or Brian Cranston as Frank, um, Allison Williams as Claire, and then Chadwick Boseman as Remy, and then hopefully they run into funding issues and it doesn't happen. Also, you still want Chadwick what? Boseman as Remy? Yeah. Have you seen the pictures that have uh, unfolded of him? Yeah. Recently, like looking mad skinny. Yeah. Like you don't think something's wrong with homeboy? Well, we're not here to debate that. I mean, we could assume that potentially in the next three years or ten years down the line, or hopefully, but when I die and they decide to remake this or something, uh, that maybe he'll be a little bit better. It's a, yeah. yeah, we're not going to shame Chad with I'm not shaming him, bro. I was gonna say, <laughs> right. I'm not shaming him. I was going to say, like, prayers for him because I hope that if he is sick that it, he does, you know, get better. Maybe but, he's like uh, Jared, Jared Leto in a role that we don't know about yet. I mean, that could be a possibility as well. I, I had thought about that. You know, I thought about Adrian Brody and, you know, how skinny he got for the pianist as well. Yeah. But I just... I worry that he could turn into, like, a Michael J. Fox, you know, like someone that has so much potential and then a disease mm. kind of, like, derails their career. And and that's what I was relating more towards. I wasn't trying to shame him. Wiggins is well. Two, Wiggins is two for two to, for trying to label me. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, damn, look. Like, the guy's still going to be in Black Panther 2. Like, let's let the guy do a fucking have a Roland uh, House of Cards remake that. Hopefully we don't ever have to watch. <laughs> maybe uh, maybe ScarJo could be uh, Claire Underwood. 
That could work. I think. There you go. Yeah. I just really so, hope they don't do anything with this. What you're saying <laughs> is you basically want the cast of the Avengers. Yeah. <laughs> with, with Harry Connick Jr. 100%. Uh, yeah, can we get Josh Brolin to be? Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, do you guys have anyone that you'd put in a movie or hope that a movie doesn't happen? Uh, no, I hope it doesn't Hopefully. happen. Yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just, um, let's just bring on the Avengers cast. Fuck it. I mean, so okay. <laughs> Robert Downey Jr., Chris Evans, Mark Ruffalo, why not? Jeremy Renner. Let's just bring them all on. Oh, you're missing. You're oh. missing. Uh, uh, what's, what's the oldest Olsen? Oh yeah, well Chris Hemsworth. He's my he's my male crush for sure. But uh, who's the <laughs> Elizabeth Olsen? Ooh, she could do- totally be uh, uh, Dominique McKelly Klotz. Uh, <laughs> substitute. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, so, yeah, there was no famous auditions. David Fincher said that uh, everybody that they casted, or that they cast, was their first choice. I don't believe that, but we, I couldn't find anything that disproves it, so we'll move past no, that. No, I think they use, uh, uh, they use the algorithm for their casting. Which one? Netflix. They literally, like, use data and just say, like, this okay. character should be this character, should be this actor. Like, hey, Nef- Nef- I read Nef- about yeah. that. And I also read that they had used data to um, basically track, like, the algorithms for the types of viewers that they were trying to cater to and also, like, the types of shows that people watch to start to track um, recommendations that they may make for people. So I I thought that was interesting because the same way that the Underwoods were using data to track people with, like, the whole gun control um, law that they were trying to pass Netflix is basically doing this behind the scenes now for the same show yes I think that that uh, that's kind of been Netflix's model interestingly well that's Uh, turning into everybody's model yeah 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 Netflix won't share their data or how they do it though (laughs) yeah which is a little shady Okay, so moving on, Bauer Internet Conspiracy Theories. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think that, I think first and foremost, we kind of went over a lot of it. Um, yeah. I heard this recently. Uh, someone who didn't like Netflix was like, eh, I don't like their propaganda. I think this was kind of a big part of that. Um, and I think part of it has to do with sort of the, uh, maybe propaganda not propaganda, but to... more of, but more make more more of like uh, using data and algorithms as preference to make content, essentially just creating uh, massively dangerous confirmation bias bubbles about how people see the world. But regardless of that, uh, I think we went over some of this. Like Aiden McAllen is is basically Snowden, Hammer Schmidt, supposed to be Greenwald. It's not really great. Zoe Barnes was kind of sort of Seth Rich, maybe. Or maybe, what was his name, the the drug addict guy? It could have been a good... Uh, Russo. Russo? Yeah, potentially as a Seth Rich kind of thing. But I think the interesting thing is, like, the conspiracies within this, they don't really go as far as real life kind of has been confirmed. Yeah. Um, but I think... So I like a lot of it, uh, but I don't think they really, like, showed... I don't think they did a good job of showing, like, the American electorate. And maybe they did it on purpose, I don't know. Um, but there wasn't a lot of, like, politics, like, 
in yeah. it. You know what I mean? It was just like, oh, all this stuff's happening. And yeah. But there wasn't like boulders. The they chose not to show it. Right. Like, how many people maybe. know the way that the Electoral College works, you know? Yeah, right. Well, maybe, it's, it's, maybe they're also against it, and in protest they choose not to discuss it on the show. Well, it's just the fact that uh, the, the uh, like, they didn't have any political control. I'm sorry, they didn't have any. I political mean, they talk about the Thirteenth Amendment or whatever, right? Or not the Thirteenth, Twelfth, uh, yeah, Twelfth, yeah. yeah, yeah. I just feel like, like, look, I, I, <laughs> this show was like a shit politics, <laughs> it's more just a drama that happened to happen. Like, you, the White House is marginally in the show, right? right? Um, like outside of like them living in it or like, it, I don't know. It's like, look, and maybe that's what they were going for. Um, yeah. So as far as wish him nothing but the worst, I put Doug Stamper. I just don't like his character at all. Just like g- great job acting by Michael Kelly. Who's like, looks like a pussy in real life. Um, <laughs> but great job. He was unlikable. My favorite part is when he's fucking, he's like crippled and shit after getting fucking nailed in the head and shit. And then he's like trying to figure his way back and dropping glasses and shit like that. Um, and then he makes a full recovery, which I thought was stupid. So, uh, well, he doesn't yeah. make a full recovery though, because he's going through rehab and he is walking with the cane. Like he's not mm-hmm. necessarily handicapped, but he's not also. He always out. got hot women yeah. though. Like even the one no. who's been. I think it's because people six. felt sorry for him. <laughs> is that it? <laughs> Yeah. Like even the hot brunette chick who worked at the what was she? She was she was a journalist. Or she something? was a physical therapist. Oh, that was that's right. Oh, she was a physical and in, in season six, yeah. And Rachel, uh, no, no, Rachel's no. pretty uh, hot. Season three. Oh, season three. Yeah, that's right. The physical therapist. Yeah, after he uh, gets hit in the head with right the rock. No, see, season six. He's uh, he's with that like hot older brunette chick. Uh, yeah. Well, that's the one, that's the wife of the man who died. Yes, 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 uh, yes, 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 yes. Getting skipped for the organ donation, right? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting because he also kind of seems sociopathic and then he has sort of like. Oh, a, yeah, they skipped him on purpose. A moment where he shows some empathy and he basically admits to her that, you know, the reason why he was spying on her and they made contact with her is because he felt bad about skipping having her man rigging organ yeah. yeah rigging right yeah his surprise she's like yeah i know i fucking hate you but i'm still fucking you because i hate you which <laughs> i thought was kind of weird but i guess yeah, yeah. Um, um yeah I, yeah go ahead go ahead no, no go for it uh conway um it was just <laughs> yeah maybe i didn't even notice the accent thing it was just bad all around, <laughs> and maybe and maybe I was like, this guy's such a doofus. Why does he have a hot wife? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're clearly trying to mix like a bunch of random stories. Like, oh, maybe he has PTSD, or maybe like he faked his military heritage. Yeah, they tried to swift him and, right. Like that was part of it. Yeah, like, it was just a weird. They barely got into oh, that. Yeah. Like, I feel like the writers were just like, oh, well, we don't fucking know anything because we're. <laughs> Like, just super liberal Hollywood people. Maybe we should have hired... Yeah. Yeah. Mike? Um, Yeah, they all just read a bunch of Vox articles in, like, The Atlantic. (laughs) They were like... (laughs) Yeah. They're just, like, rubbing one out to Ezra Klein. Like, hey, let's create a show. I like Ezra. (laughs) I like them, too, but that's what they were doing. (laughs) Yeah, they're like, all right. For me, it's, it's basically a tie. 
between Doug Stamper and Frank Underwood. I wish them both oh, nice. nothing but the mm. worst. Uh, <laughs> they both kind of got nothing but the worst. <laughs> right. But Stamper, I, I didn't mind him at the beginning. Like, I, I felt like he was just like this kind of like right-hand man who will, you know, do whatever his boss tells yes. him to do, you know, like a, like a loyalist. But, you know, as he started like killing women, I kind of felt stalking like... Stalking them? Stalking them, yeah. And there was just like women. Some... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was sarcasm, by the way. He... <laughs> um, as he's starting to stalk people and showing like these sort of serial killer traits, I really didn't like him. And then I kind of felt like he almost enjoyed seeing people plead and beg for their lives. Like the scene with Rachel when he tracks her mm-hmm. down and he kills her, that kind of really got to me because you see like this conflict between him. It's kind of like this conflict of good and evil, like where he drops her off and he tells her just to walk to the town. And then as he's driving off, he's thinking about it, he comes back and he still does it anyway. And even though he was in love with her, like he doesn't really show remorse after he does it and if he does he he hides it well Mm -hmm. and I don't know man I just I felt like he was a piece of shit and I think that they should have killed him off in a worse way and Underwood I mean he was just a terrible human being to begin with I felt sorry for him at the beginning seeing him get snubbed because I feel like I said earlier it's relatable but the way he started plotting towards stepping over people and getting people to fall so that he could move up I don't condone that in any way, uh, because I just feel that stepping over people to get to a place where you want to be is not right, and I think just the way that he was moving, and the way that the power was really getting to his head, and the way that he was willing to grasp that power by any means necessary, um, that's also very sociopathic for me, because he showed no remorse for anyone at all, okay, and no love for anyone, and those types of individuals are also very scary. Like, I feel like those are the type of people that really can lead to some damage. And I think that as the seasons continued, this maybe the viewers that also agreed with me that may have been on his side to begin with really started to see him for the piece of shit that he was. And I think that's why maybe I and maybe other people also were disappointed with the way that he was killed off from the show. Because I think that it would have been nice to at least see something for viewers to get. Yeah, I think that was a little bit of like a a political move being like, we're not even, we're not even showing him. We're not even giving him the credit. I get it. I get why they did it. But I I think almost like, I guess like a Game of Thrones, like when Cersei, you know, was killed off at the end. Like, I think people were savoring it. Like, you hate this person so much from everything that you've seen them do, all the atrocities you've seen them do throughout the show that you really just want to see him die in the worst way. And that's why I wish him nothing but the worst. Yeah. Alright, guys. Well, there's House of Cards. Um, please don't make a remake of this, and please don't make a movie. I can't stress that enough. And yeah, this But if you do, fun. cast Kevin Spacey again. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well... Box for, uh, poison! <laughs> yeah. Well... For Mike and for Scott, this is Chris Bendrus. We'll see you next week. Stay safe, everybody. It's